Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from Angela's Mannequins discussing the 2012 psychological slasher film, Maniac. This film was directed by Frank Calfoon from a screenplay by Alexandra Aja and Gregory Levasseur based on the 1980 film of the same name written by Joe Spinell. Maniac combines impressive technique with gruesome violence, forcing the viewer to see through the eyes of a killer. With an unsettling lead performance, graphic makeup effects, and a memorable throwback of a score, this film is as inventive as it is shocking. So, Maniac, what were your first impressions on the film? I'm not 100% sure, but I think I, I think we watched this movie together and none of us had seen it. Mm. Um, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, and I enjoyed it even more this time. Uh-huh. But I really, really like this movie and what it does. I like the different perspective of it. And it really, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to I'll be honest. I really enjoyed it a lot more this time than I did watching it before. I did, I did laugh earlier because JP said that we all watched it together and I said, hmm, <laughs> as if, as like if I wasn't there. there. <laughs> interesting, wow. interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I remember that we had seen it. I I never saw it since. Right. But it, I just remember being like, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. And when we first started the show, we didn't know like how we were going to decide what movie we were going to cover or in what order or whatever. And we were all like throwing out movies that we really, really wanted to cover. And this was one of yours. Right. And I, to have only seen it once and you're like, no, we got it. You know what <laughs> I, mean? I mean? I mean, now it's like, what, three years later. But still. Yeah. Well, no, know, that movie was great. We, we've done it. We were <laughs> yeah. getting to it. Um, but no, it's I didn't remember it. And I don't know if it is. I don't really want to say studying so much more horror because that sounds kind of, you know, up my own ass or whatever. <laughs> but maybe, maybe that, you know, in the maybe almost 10 years since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Did you just frighten yourself? Yeah. yeah. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> but between that time and now, I I did not, I don't remember feeling so disturbed. Uh-huh. I remember being like, that was crazy and fucked up. But the, and we kind of talked about it uh, last week with Gerald's game and those really, really horrible moments, Flanagan makes you stay there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And this is that like times a thousand. Mm-hmm. Because not only are you stuck in those moments of horror, you it's it's like you're doing it. I mean, it's not like you're doing but you know <laughs> what I mean. You're you're yes. stuck in this perspective of some the person that is doing this. And the effects Yes. I'm not going to say that they were actually doing these things, but I'm, I'm not not saying that they, <laughs> <laughs> they were actually doing these things. It, they are incredible. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Have um, we checked on these people since I'm the production? I'm not just saying. I'm just saying. Um, because I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And Elijah Wood, it has been, I love Elijah Wood. I oh, think yeah. everybody fucking loves Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. The way that he's able to be like sweet and adorable and like the faculty or fucking as Frodo <laughs> and then be this. He is so fucking scary in this. It's I, it, he blows me away. And then it's, it's been a real treat watching interviews with him because he is a little weirdo, just like us. <laughs> like he reads about serial killers. He loves horror movies. He's mm-hmm. a little weirdo. And that was just so such a delight. Yeah. But um, 
No, I, I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one thing I got from Elijah Wood in all those interviews is his love and respect for the genre. Yeah. It's like, it's so admirable. And to see somebody that's so in love with it, making it. The yeah. fact that you, Elijah Wood, can do whatever he wants. Yes. Oh, yeah. But he chose to do this. Mm-hmm. And this is a remake of a very gruesome, like, cult classic. Okay. Done in a in a... I don't want to say more gruesome, but you know, really the the point the POV thing it's affected me. I think, yeah. Um, but he's like, yeah, I'll do that. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I I just <laughs> I love it. I think the first time I watched it, I was very impressed by what they were able to do, and I think that the the thing that did get me this time more than any other time, like Yune, is just how unrelenting it is. Yeah. Right. Because you're. F- forced you are into mm-hmm. this point of view and, and you're I, like i it's sometimes you're like all right i, <laughs> I get it i don't want to be doing this <laughs> <laughs> i feel like in most films even when it is you know gratuitously violent or whatever there is a moment where you cut away yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is just no, no we're, we're, we're here we're doing this it's happening if exactly. this is if this is really what's happening in the moment you don't you get don't a chance get away. to get away no. there are no cuts I th- Submersion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, like you had said, the original being this like cult classic, almost like sleazy grindhouse style. Yeah. They really took a different, I guess, path with it. Yeah. I mean, very much so. The people who are involved, you can see these elements of the new French extremity movement. Mm-hmm. Especially Alexandra Aja, he having directed High Tension, right? Um, and some of the gruesome violence that we saw in his Hills Have Eyes remake. Okay, he was just the producer, but you can see a lot of his input influence. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I feel like watching it this time. I don't know if my sensibilities have changed because I really really liked it the first time, and I love the technical aspects of this film. Mm-hmm. Right. But the the I don't I don't know what's going on. But the the morality You're like, of it. Too much. I was like, Jesus, Dad. <laughs> Heavens to Betsy. I was like, Jesus What Christ. did you say the other day? Man, a lot. <laughs> there were definite <laughs> moments where it got a man alive out of me. Because Jesus Christ. But um, I, I think the thing is, uh, watching it visually, it's it's a very artful film. Right. Despite its brutality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes because of its brutality. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I, I, I think I have issues with the screenplay a little bit. Because some of the stuff is really on the nose. Uh-huh. Like, it's so much on the nose that it's practically a nostril. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I... I I'm, was excited, little, I'm excited to hear... Yeah. I think it's just some of the dialogue. It was the... the And the monologuing was pretty uh, tell, not show. That's that's fair. I'm but feeling this I about mean, what, this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> again, though, this is an hour and 28 minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, this is, you get in, you do what the fuck you're going to do, and you get the fuck out. Like, right. there is no room. That's that's something that I'll say I, I respect, but also it makes you want more from the characters. Yes. And it's my understanding, I'm not very well versed in the original, but that you don't really get a backstory as to why Frank is who he is. Here you kind of do. Right. But it's still very like, okay, we can check this box. What what can cause a child trauma? All right, we'll do that. You know yeah. what I mean? I would I would have liked a little bit more, but at the same time, if you lean on those aspects too much, this is a different film. Yes. Yeah. With the the way that this is presented to us and this POV thing for, you know, ninety fucking percent of it or whatever, 
you can't be doing too much. Like yeah. you have to get in, you got to tell the story and then leave. Can you imagine doing this for two and a half hours? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, on one hand, I'm grateful. On the other hand, I'm like, I just would have liked a little bit more of those, of those storytelling aspects. Okay. Right. I, I, and I, Again, this is my opinion, but I feel like this is the perfect runtime for what they're doing. Yes. Uh, the story they're telling. I enjoy this movie because of that. For me, this is the perfect balance of I'm going to give you just enough to where you know what's going on, but we're still going to keep it gruesome. Okay, cool. You know what and I they, mean? And that's exactly what they yeah, did. Yeah, and they that's did. fine. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I do enjoy. Maybe you can kind of help me with it, but I do enjoy the whole story. I like what's going on here. Um, it's something we don't see a lot of um, or even that's really talked about. So I do appreciate that that's at least something like, hey, this shit does happen. You know what I mean? It's Again, if this was real, there there is no time to look away. You know what I mean? So I do appreciate that. that that's very valid. But you also saying if this was real, I do have issues with that. And we can get into yeah, it will. as it goes. But I've, a couple times I'm like, come on, man, a lot. Really, though? I'm, I like, mean, I'm like, come on. I can get you a scalp right now. No, oh, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, moving on. Hey, not that far. Not that oh, far. Right. Guys, you want to hear about the production? Yeah. <laughs> um, as we were talking about before with the original, it was a little bit vague as to what made Frank do these things. Okay. They hinted at it, but this film really dives into it and tries to give you that explanation. Right, right. But they also, in the way that they put you in the mind of him, I, I feel like the idea of a remake mm -hmm. should be, let's take what we have seen right. and we'll create something new with it while paying respect to it. Mm -hmm. And when Alex Aja was told by the producer, Thomas Langman, that he had got the rights to this, Aja has been a fan of this film since childhood. And so you knew going into it that he was going to pay respect. Yeah. Right. He even used basically a whole scene from Maniac in High Tension. And that actually helped him in the future because <laughs> he met the director, Bill Lustig, and he showed him or he told him that he was going to be producing this remake. And dude was like, I loved High Tension. And Aww. I saw that scene. <laughs> He's like, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> But then they get Calhoun on board. All right. And he had acted in High Tension and he had, I believe, co-edited or helped edit The Hills Have Eyes and they developed the film P2 together. Oh, shit. Okay. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, perfect. They said he was the obvious choice. But um, when he was brought on board, that's when he said, look, I don't want to just make this film again, mm -hmm. which is kind of what the screenplay was with a lot more added detail. Right. He's like, I want to do something different. And it was his idea for the POV. Oh, beautiful. And he had kind of compared it to a uh, video game. Yeah. In that you're right in the shoes of this person. Mm -hmm. I think that is in my notes early on. Is uh -huh. that this film, the way that you see like the hands and stuff? Well, yes. you know, that was like, and I know I've talked about it before, how much I liked Hardcore Henry. Right. And the story in that isn't very, no. you know what I mean? But it's visually. Yes. Everything looks fucking wonderful. I feel like this is, <laughs> this is kind of like an amusement park ride, but I'm pulling the red yeah. <laughs> but like, I want you to get off, off of it <laughs> it's like an amusement park ride but I'm terrified of amusement park rides. 
Now, before we scalp this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's stalk in the night. So I did want to mention before the film starts that we do see there's like a ton of production logos, but one of them is IFC. And I know for me at the time, that was like, you're about to see some shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to be weird. Well, because they were, I feel like when we were younger, like young teens. Yeah. We had the channel and that was where all the crazy shit was. So it's like you see the logo and you're like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like Pavlov's dog. <laughs> to start Here drooling. Yeah. <laughs> they had good stuff on there. They I used did. to watch it and I wasn't that young. I had it on my uh, satellite thing and I loved it. Yeah. yeah. It was the gateway to a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. But the film begins from the point of view of Frank Zito, played by Elijah Wood, breathing heavily in the driver's seat of his car. He surveys the surrounding city at night before turning his attention to the outside of a club down the street. So I hate to stop as soon as we've just started, but I wanted to talk about the cinematography from Maxime Alexandra. Okay. Because that's what really sets this film apart. It does. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it uh, already quite a bit, but you're going to hear quite a bit of POV and all this and the way things are done. It's very impressive. Right. But um, Alexandra actually was the cinematographer for four of Aja's films before he came onto this production. Oh, wow. And he also was the cinematographer for Annabelle Creation. Okay. And six episodes of The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, all Say right. Nice. Yeah. yeah, nice. <laughs> But he does fucking excellent work here. Oh, yeah. And it's very interesting because I read an interview with Elijah Wood and he gave Alexandra as much credit for creating the character of Frank as he is getting because of how often he's Frank. Yeah. Yeah. And he is. Yeah. I watched an interview with Elijah Wood and he was saying that when he had signed on, they were like, oh, you'll come like for a couple days because it's you're going to need like your reflection and stuff. Mm hmm. Um, and basically that's it you know we'll do the the voice work after and da 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 he was there every day that's true yeah, it was a yeah. four week <laughs> shoot he was there standing behind Alexandra yeah I, I can't <laughs> standing behind him sometimes when you see his hands one hand is Elijah Wood's hand and one hand is the DP's hand yeah <laughs> because the way he has to stand around the camera oh, all right, all yeah. right. so like I mean it. they really did they both played him yeah. I mean it and was just, uh, it's like art, the way yes, that yes. they were able to pull it off. The choreography of it. Yeah. Because they do a lot of camera tricks, but it's all in camera. Mm -hmm. So nothing is trickery. Yeah. It's all just very slick editing. Mm -hmm. um, the editor is a guy called Baxter. He only has the one name. <laughs> very good. <laughs> but, um, fly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, sometimes, like you said, sometimes somebody's playing one hand, sometimes somebody's playing the other hand. Yeah. Sometimes the camera is just Alexandra. Sometimes yeah. it's Elijah Wood with a camera attached to him right uh it's and also it made the editing harder i didn't want to point that out because there's really no cutaways no yeah you're literally like there's no coverage as they said yeah. in the production notes you have to fucking get this and then that's all you have yeah so it's i mean it's for just, all it's wild yeah and it's then impressive hear, hearing him talk about it how he he said he would stand behind him and like tap him on the shoulder and tell him to move this way or pull back a little bit i yeah. mean it's like they really became one yeah person yeah and they actually they had said in a featurette that he had gotten him to walk like elijah wood would that's, that's, and it's, like, it's, incredible. Is, it's just unbelievable but 
Frank watches as Judy and Stephanie, two women played by Leon Balaban and Stephanie Fromini, exit the club together. Judy jokingly tells Stephanie to remind her to never take her out again, which Stephanie mockingly agrees to do. I was like, man, I remember those days. (laughs) (laughs) As they continue walking, Judy trips over her own high-heeled shoe, and she stumbles, almost falling, the two women laughing together as they press on. As Stephanie hails a cab, Judy remarks that she's never seen so many douchebags in one place, but Stephanie disagrees, remarking that one of the tall dudes was actually kind of hot. Well, good. (laughs) (laughs) At least that was something. Doesn't doesn't make any less of a douchebag, but okay. But a cab pulls up, and just before Stephanie gets inside, Judy tells her that she'll take the next one. The women say their goodbyes to each other after Judy assures Stephanie that she is not going back into the club. But to the right of Judy, a man played by Dan Hunter, no relation, (laughs) pays very close attention to everything going on, quietly telling his friend that he's going to go talk to her. So I know that we're viewing this through the lens of a horror film, Uh and this is a very, like, classic setup. Mm Mm-hmm. But please don't split up. No. Like, I would say especially women, but really, like, anyone, no, don't leave anybody behind. That's the only thing I was a little confused about. I thought they were they would go in together. Yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> I love that there's no reason given for her to not take the yeah, cab. Yeah. No, we need to split the cab. I mean, it, it's just a very scary situation. There's already dudes on the street. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that cab had not even fully pulled away before that dude went yes. to sidle up to yeah. her. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, at least, okay, stop, stop. No, you're getting in here with me. Uh-huh. And then we'll, yeah. you can stay at my house or we'll figure it out. We'll drop you off. And then, you know, Please don't leave your friend. I mean, I feel like we've said this before. But come on. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stephanie's like, I'm going home. I don't. (laughs) I'm tired. Stephanie doesn't look back. (laughs) She was was already going. Yeah. That was frustrating to me. Don't do that. But Judy takes a drag on her cigarette as the cab pulls away. And behind her, the man creeps up and pinches her back, scaring the shit out of her. He quickly apologizes. His only excuse for the harassment being that Judy looks so pretty. The f- who does that i don't know well uh, yeah i mean people do men. but like yeah. don't yeah. don't do that though. Well, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah i don't understand the the way that he's approaching uh the whole situation is like why i don't think that girl wants to talk to you dude uh, he's, clearly like, not. he's like i just had to scare you yeah what you want, yeah had that's you? What? <laughs> jokes on you i'm already scared yeah <laughs> <laughs> But he says he's just trying to say hello to her and that she has such a pretty dress on. But Judy concretely tells the creep not to touch her. He goes on telling her that he and his friend have a limousine with weed and champagne if she's interested. I am. (laughs) You can have me, dude. Leave that lady alone. Yeah. (laughs) Frank lowly growls, leave her alone. I And the first time I watched this, because I don't know, I never saw the original Maniac right, right. up until recently. And so I was like, oh, so Frank's going to be like a vigilante. Like a Dexter. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And he fucks up like he kills dude bros. Yeah, yeah. He's like Batman, but for fr- he's Fratman. <laughs> Fratman. <laughs> and uh, I was excited. Right. Like an anti-hero. Don't get, don't. I'm don't. sorry? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> But Judy tries to ignore the man, but he goes on, asking if he can get a cigarette from her, or at least a smile. I don't know. I The audacity of this man was astounding. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, at least give me a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't owe you anything. I bothered no, you. The least yeah. you can do yeah. is give me something. I'm ruining your night. Yeah. So. <laughs> God. But this prompts Judy to toss her cigarette at him, and she tells him to fuck off before walking away. 
I mean, he asked for a cigarette. Yeah. There you go. But the man's friends joke that he couldn't close the deal. But Frank puts his car into drive and follows Judy as she continues down the street. She notices a nearby cab parked on the curb, and the moment she tries to hail it, it drives away. It's literally unfair. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cab. cab service. Yeah. Why, why did he leave, though? I don't know. I know. Yeah. He didn't look like he had a customer. No, he like parked for like two seconds or yeah. even that and then just pulled away. He's like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's like, this isn't even a real cab. Yeah. <laughs> I just painted my car yellow. <laughs> but Judy stares directly down Lynn's across the street, making eye contact with Frank, who lowly comments, I see you too. I was like, all right, maybe he's not frat man. Yeah. He's not frat man. But Judy walks faster down the street, looking over her shoulder, and breaks into a hustle after she accidentally trips over her high heel again. Frank watches on, turning down an adjacent street, commenting to himself that he knows where Judy lives and that he'll see her later. From Frank's point of view, we drive through the streets, bridges, and tunnels of downtown Los Angeles, surveying various people under the city lights as a pulsing and ominous synth and piano score plays over the opening credits. Woke up this morning. <laughs> Got, Got yourself a gun. <laughs> That's all oh, I was like, thinking. This is the Sopranos. <laughs> no, no. A little better in Sopranos. Uh, <laughs> hold on. No. Hey, whoa. Oh, yeah, no. No, you can eat your spaghetti over there. I'm all right. Uh, first yeah. of all, it's gobble. Yeah. Whatever the fuck it is. No, but secondly, <laughs> this, is, this is literally it's the, this yeah. the opening credits of the Sopranos. No, like, no, no. New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> what? I thought you were in LA. Yeah. Opening a mania. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say the score is fantastic in this film. Yeah, it yeah. is. Like the 80s synth. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of Halloween too. And Honestly. I was like, oh, this is great. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Like, I'm in. Yeah. It was done by a French composer called Rob. Very right. good. So we're just doing this one name thing. Yeah. But according to an interview with FMI, uh, he said that his major influence was the 1980s. All right. In general. You can you can tell. Yeah. You can feel it. He had a very interesting um, idea because he said it's meant to evoke a nostalgic feeling like holding on to something from your childhood, which makes a lot of sense with this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. That, it makes sense in the context of the film and also maybe as somebody who grew up loving the original Maniac. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. It fits. All right. Yeah. It fits a lot in a lot of ways. The article also made an interesting point that I hadn't even considered, but is totally right. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we think about modern horror films that have like that synth-driven 80s throwback score, right? a lot of people point to It Follows, yeah, which is a great score mm. from Disaster Piece, but Maniac did it two years before. Yeah. That's true. It's funny because when you said that, I was thinking of the score from It Follows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But over the railing of a balcony, Frank watches from above as Judy steps out of a cab. She's on the phone, presumably with Stephanie, telling her how glad she is that the night is over. Frank heads back inside the apartment building, locates the fuse box, and with a very sharp knife, cuts all the wires, shutting off the lights on the floor. Now, I'm not an electrician, <laughs> but shouldn't this have been like Frank's like, all right, <laughs> and that's it, and the movie's done? <laughs> Like yeah, I, I thought I kind of thought the same thing. Got lucky, man. I, well, I'm sure you can rip out those wires without touching anything, but again, that's very risky. Yes. Yeah, it is. To grab that wire and think, oh, that's not gonna touch. Oh yeah, me. I'm fine. Yeah, that's that's, that's Frank Grimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't need safety gloves. It's, that's hilarious because I didn't even register that. Uh-huh. Like my thinking is, 
how long has he been following her that he knows her floor like uh-huh. he knows her apartment this is a big ass building yeah it is yeah you're right so i feel like because this is the first time we see frank it kind of sets him up to be this very meticulous and like detail-oriented person and we that does not track no the rest right. of the film. you're right so i thought you know i thought that was strange you know and honestly they do kind of abandon that because everything else seems kind of like in the moment i mean it right, could right. be you know escalation and maybe compulsions That's- taking more of a precedent over planning or whatever but the mm. fact that he's like oh girl i know where you live don't even worry about <laughs> it and he's there <laughs> yeah you know and <laughs> that's not really <laughs> the mo later no and honestly i do want kind of want to call that out because um before he goes into the sopranos opening <laughs> he is like literally like an evil like yeah. mastermind he's like i know where you live yeah he's never that again not at all well, this is probably the beginning of what's going on like you said it's like should i do this should i not and then it's like no i gotta go i gotta go through with this or maybe i mean I mean, no, I don't think it is. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get Let's the people get there. Yeah. <laughs> but Judy makes her way up the stairs, telling Stephanie that the vehicle that was following her was a very old van and it freaked her out. She blames Stephanie for it, chalking it up to all the stupid places that she takes her to. But when she reaches her floor, she realizes that all the lights are out. As she walks down the hall, Frank creeps closer to her, but he quickly hides when a nearby couple who is late for a dinner party in the building gets Judy's attention. Judy turns around, and after the couple departs, she walks to her apartment door with Frank close behind her. Just as she unlocks her door, but before she can reach the refuge of her home, Frank stands inches from her, breathing heavily. I just had a couple things here. Okay. I don't know how often Judy goes out and has these experiences with men in vans chasing her. Mm-hmm. She's not, but she's fine. <laughs> and the fact that there's no light, I, I, my head would be on a swivel. I would be terrified. I'm not getting off the phone until I'm in my house. I mean, maybe just because I'm kind of inherently a paranoid person. Uh huh. Um, she was just a little carefree for me. <laughs> That's, I mean, it was it just me. <laughs> Well, I mean, they I were guess. out drinking. I mean, that's yeah, but not a... these men were harassing her and she literally I, ran away she, from yeah, him in the van. she's home. She feels safe now. Like, I don't... I guess. I don't know. Well, she right. did. Scared. Again, with the screenplay, I'm so glad I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> that, so, yeah. Glad that's over. You know, the writing I talked about earlier. Yeah. I mean, I guess. No, I mean, I mean yeah. it as a negative. That's what I'm right. saying. No, no, no. I, I, I get the whole I'm home. It's like I can breathe a sigh of relief thing. I yeah. would just still be scared. But that's just me. No, yeah. Especially the fucking van. That's the, that, like that, I said, that. We can see you, dude. Like, I mean, on, I think most people have the experience of, you know, maybe going out and getting some unwanted attention. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the the man in the van. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, <laughs> it would really stick with yeah. me. I uh-huh. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know. I feel like you ever like go and get like a glass of water in the middle of the night and you think maybe a demon's there. <laughs> and then you fucking burst to your room like you, like a sprinter. Yeah. Um, what she does next is very surprising to me. Yeah. <laughs> Because instead of bolting in her apartment and like closing the door, she slowly turns around full of fear to face him. He nervously tells her, please don't scream. You're beautiful. Judy opens her mouth to let out a scream and Frank shoves the knife under her chin, the blade glistening inside of her opened mouth. This took me by complete surprise. Yes. The fact that this is our first kill. Mm Mm-hmm. This is our first introduction to Frank. I mean, he's said a couple a couple things here and there. This was terrifying. Yeah. 
and looked amazing. Yes. And I mean, just this whole moment, and I'm sure you're going to get to the title card. Yes. All of it, it really sets the tone for the level because it only goes up from here. Yes. I mean, they're like, bitch, if you if this is too much, <laughs> then don't. Yeah, get off the roller coaster yeah. now. Yeah. I was like, excuse me, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I I gasped. It was just very well executed, and oh, I was not yeah. expecting it I, at all. I loved all of this. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, this is. I was like, I'm in. You know, and like, he wants to get off. He's like, I'll take another ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll take another. Can ride. I have his seat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Frank imagines the silhouette of a woman running toward the light in a dark tunnel, and the score hums lowly as Frank removes the knife from Judy. He holds her upright by the hair as he carefully slices across her forehead. Her body collapses to the floor as Frank holds her bloody scalp, and in large red letters, we get the title, Maniac. I was like, who is he, Lieutenant Aldo Rain? <laughs> and I want he my scalp. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, and and I I'm not off the roller coaster yet. Yeah, this is a <laughs> it's a very effective cold open. Yeah, um, the effects are great. They were actually really interested in doing the original justice because uh-huh. the original effects were actually very good for the time. Okay, and it's because they were done by Tom Savini. Oh, all right, all yeah, right, say nice. no more. Exactly. Yeah. So for this film. The director enlisted Greg Nicotero and Mike McCarthy of K&B. All right. And they designed all of these effects. The interesting thing about all the scalpings you see in the film, they hand-tied lace pieces with individual strands of hair to attach to the scalp and have it lay down flat. <laughs> so basically what you have is you have the gore makeup, a false scalp, and then the false Holy wig that they made. Yeah, nice. And oh, so yeah. everything is done. Like all these scalpings are done in a, one take. Yeah. And so he does the thing, he rips it off, and then they pump blood into it. Yeah. And so it's very oh, yeah. impressive. It looks it good. Looks yeah. Amazing. I like will... again, I'm I'm like, are, is everyone okay? Is <laughs> 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 that okay? I will say that he cut her forehead a little bit and I guess the back of her scalp came pre cut or something, but yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it came right off. Like, oh, I did that this morning. <laughs> but I was like, all right, forget That's it. That's a yeah. preference, yeah. you know. On the features preference. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us don't can like it. Can you give me the like can you air out? the back please um (laughs) they said on a featurette that what they were intending to imply was that the weight of her body collapsing ripped off the rest of it okay i'm i'm there yeah i didn't that did i think i was so fucking shocked by what was was. happening yeah i didn't even think about that i was like well yeah of course it all came out (laughs) why wouldn't it yeah just how it goes (laughs) that's the only place it's attached yeah it's just the front yeah it's just (laughs) in the breeze in the back Get a good crosswind going or yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's very hot in Texas. So we gotta get air where we can. But sometime later, Frank wakes up in bed with a woman. He gently pulls down the back of her gown to caress the bare skin of her shoulder and the back of her neck. In her sleep, she jerks her shoulder away instinctively with an annoyed grunt. I was like, who is this? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing because it's like, it doesn't explicitly say, but you're kind of led to believe this is like the next morning. Uh-huh. And I was like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> and then what he does in a minute, I'm like, oh, you're just disrespectful. Because yeah. <laughs> at first you think, you're like, oh, this is his girlfriend. He has a regular life. Yeah. yeah. He just does this on the side. Right. Yeah. But instead, we learn what it really is. Yeah. Right. 
Um, also, I said an annoyed grunt. Did you know that in every Simpsons script, they never write dough, they write annoyed grunt? Well, it is an annoyed <laughs> grunt. <laughs> Just a fun little side thing. Anyway, Frank gets out of bed and makes himself a pot of coffee. As it percolates, Frank surveys his dimly lit apartment filled with several mannequins. He then heads over to his computer and logs onto a dating website called Cupid's Rejects. This is when I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got a lot of fucking nerve, dude. Like she's, like she's really right dude. there. I did laugh because I thought, I'm like, Cupid's Rejects is not a bad name for a fake dating website. Right. It made me think of CSI when they didn't want to say MySpace, so they said Friend, Friend Agenda. agenda. <laughs> <laughs> but after clicking off an account of a woman who looks a lot like Judy, but we don't zoom in, so I can't confirm interesting yeah i don't know if that i didn't catch that but that would that would make sense frank gets a chat request from red lucy 86 we see the profile photo of lucy played by megan duffy along with the message girl looking for new adventures frank's screen name hilariously is i'm timid (laughs) yeah I mean, he's just putting it out there. Yeah. He's just letting you know up front. I'm shy. <laughs> but in the chat window, Lucy asks if he's truly timid, and he lies that it's his first time on a dating site. Lucy remarks that he's a cyber virgin and asks why he doesn't have a photo. Frank repeats his timidity, and Lucy says that it isn't fair because he knows what she looks like. So Frank scrolls through his photos on his computer, which are actual photos of Elijah Wood throughout his life. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of baby pictures of himself. Yeah. <laughs> that is, That's yeah. a little odd. You had to upload those on yeah. your... <laughs> it's not a book. It's a, your computer. <laughs> but he does finally settle on a photo of Elijah Wood in character as Frank. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he smiles slyly, almost uncomfortably in the photo, but after Lucy admits that the suspense is killing her, Frank sends the picture. She tells him that he's cute and that she's ready for a new adventure. Their conversation continues over frantic POV shots of Frank driving through Los Angeles at night. And in his chat window, Frank tells Lucy that even though she might be too daring for him, he's looking for new experiences too. He asks where she lives and the camera zooms in on the grainy photo of Frank. And in his eyes, it's like the lights are on and no one's home or someone is home and he's a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the second one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did think if this is his tactic that he's using and he's been on Cupid's Revenge. No, Cupid Rejects. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's a Valentine's Day horror yeah. film. <laughs> Cupid's Rejects before, that might be how he found out where Judy lived. Right. Okay, okay. That makes sense. He yeah. could have been charming online and then, right. yeah. you know. But, um... We cut to Frank sitting alone in a restaurant, and from his view, Lucy enters the room, finding him at a booth and introducing herself. She sits down across from him, telling him that he's not at all what she imagined. He asks what she imagined, and she tells him, fat, long black hair, and a face full of acne. What a nice lady. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was like, okay. I did see people saying that this is describing... The original... Yeah. I've I've read such things. I just feel like that's really mean to Joe Spinelli. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the thing is, is that you know that the filmmakers are like, this is a very nice homage that we're doing. But he's like, what? 
Wow. Wow. That's wow. <laughs> and a face full acne. Wow. Got it. Appreciate Thank it. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> but she says people always post the best pictures of themselves online, but then it's usually the man she described that she ends up meeting. And I, the, the, the judgment on the physical, I... No, it's shitty. But also... <sighs> I don't know. I go I go back and forth because I feel like it's like kind of shitty to misrepresent yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But we're in such a shitty society where people feel like they have to misrepresent themselves. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you go to the root cause of it. Yeah. yeah. I've also watched a lot of catfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as a server pours them each a glass of wine, Frank says that he ordered it before she arrived and he hopes she doesn't mind. Lucy takes off her jacket, telling him that she likes a man who takes control before toasting him with her glass and taking a sip. Frank looks over her tattoos before asking her how long she's been on the dating website. She says it's been about six months, but this is her first dinner date. She usually meets guys for drinks, but she says that she can already tell that Frank is a breath of fresh air compared to the guys that she deals with at the bar every night. She remarks that it's easy to get an overdose of testosterone in a job like that. Frank nervously agrees, and they share an awkward silence. Lucy leans back in the booth, twisting her hair around her finger, and asks Frank why he doesn't have a girlfriend. He stumbles over his words before turning to look around the restaurant. Lucy asks if he's okay, as through Frank's eyes, we hear the music grow distorted and see every other customer in the establishment staring right at him. This was so quietly unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, it was very disturbing. This is the kind of thing that I wanted more of. Right. Because yeah. it really, I mean, it's its very subtle. Yeah. There were, I wondered, and again, I don't discount myself, you know, adding extra meaning to shit that doesn't need it. Uh-huh. But um, this kind of made me think of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. And the breathing makes me think of Michael Myers. And yeah. there's another scene that happens later that really reminds me of Halloween. So yes. I'm wondering how many, um, like if those were purposeful homages or the, uh, am I just like, oh, that's kind of like what happened in Halloween or whatever. <laughs> Michael Myers also has asthma yeah. or whatever, you know. Um, but I wonder how much of that was purposeful, like little nods or whatever. Well, we never see Frank eat a dog. Um, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely not Thankfully. Halloween. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I mean, I think that we're coming from a lot of people who respect and love the horror genre. Yeah. Mm. Of course, they would think to, you know, put little things here and there. Yeah. Right. I will say that interestingly, having watched the original, there's a lot that plays out pretty much the same as far as some dialogue goes uh-huh. really yeah and then there's a lot of different kills that are repurposed in a way that suits this film better but it's clearly homage to exactly what was done oh, That's okay, cool. okay so it's very interesting the way they do that yeah but frank struggles to catch his breath as he looks back at lucy who appears in a haze before him high-pitched noises slice through frank's ears as blood begins to drip from lucy's scalp Lucy doesn't react at all to the red raining down her face, simply asking again if Frank's okay. I did want to commend, because they talked about it on a featurette, about how difficult it is for all these actors acting opposite yeah. Elijah Wood, because he's either at the side of the camera or whatever, Yeah, yeah. but they have to stare directly down lens because yeah. Yeah. they're talking <laughs> to you. Right. And so there were a lot of times that they're being told, you know, 
when you think about talking to a person, you don't always look them in the eye. Yeah. And so they have to find the lens, look around. Like a natural yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. But you're talking to a machine. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, it's that's like, very difficult. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's plenty of films where people have done things uh, down lens and everything. Right. But imagine every acting partner you have in this film, they're doing that. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. And I did want to call it, of course, and you're talking about um, all these homages and everything. We've gotten POV horror from Halloween, Black Christmas, yeah. tons of stuff. Yeah. And so this is maybe a, also a little bit of that. Could be. I mean, I don't know. But Frank mutters that he needs to use the restroom before rushing away from the table to a bathroom sink. He pulls a prescription bottle from his pocket as the music grows tense, and he pops a few of the pills, washing them down with water from the faucet. He stares at his own reflection, wiping his hand across his face as he slowly begins to regain his composure, focusing in on the buzz of fluorescent lights. So this was an interesting addition to this film as compared to the original. Right. Because they're kind of adding this idea of Frank having a mental illness and um, almost a layer of sadness of him not wanting to do what he does. Right. And so I don't know what... if. If the shit wasn't so brutal and awful, you would almost feel sorry for him, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, I can't remember if it was Elijah Wood or Frank Calhoun. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, who said that you almost want to, but you should not. No. <laughs> so it's like- Oh, well, then I guess I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Like I watched it wrong. Yeah. But there is this- and No, no, the no I didn't watch it wrong. <laughs> the fact that Elijah Wood is so- I mean, you look at him and you feel for him. Right. I think it's the giant blue eyes. Like, you just, like, feel, like, <laughs> bad for him. And he looks tortured. Right. But then, I mean, and I think I, not to harp on it or go back or whatever, but that's what's really conflicting about that first kill Uh huh. is the fact that, you know, I don't know if it's, like, a Dexter, Dark Passenger kind of a thing or whatever, but it's almost like there's him then and then him for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe if we got a little more of, like, that push-pull and, like, this manic version, violent version of himself taking over more. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what this is with the headaches and stuff. Maybe that is what it is. Maybe. Right. I did kind of find it funny that three films in a row we've had where... Or maybe not in a row. I don't remember. But where... <laughs> <laughs> um, the filmmakers are using an actor's inherent likability against the audience. Yeah. Okay. You got fucking Justin Long, Henry, Henry Thomas, Thomas, right, yeah. right, and now Elijah Wood. I, I, yeah. I did find that interesting too because I read an interview with Frank Calhoun, mm -hmm. and he was saying that he could have gone in one of two directions with it, and that Joe Spinell does look kind of frightening, even though he does have these moments where he can hold it together and act like. He's not maniac or whatever. You can go that route or you can go. He called it the Ted Bundy route mm. where it is someone that you would look at and you would not expect it. Okay. And so one of the producers, Alex Taylor, was friends with Elijah Wood. Mm -hmm. And so she brought his name up and he said he immediately thought of his eyes and was oh. like, see if see if he would do it. <laughs> and Elijah Wood was down. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it really does play i mean that's frodo like yeah you you don't you don't want to see frodo doing these things <laughs> so it really does you do i think inherently want to sympathize with him even if you take the film out of it just elijah wood playing any character yeah so i mean i uh 
but it did immediately when I read that make me think of what we talked about with Justin Long and Barbarian. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like they're they're playing our biases against us. Not fair. And, but it's successful. It is. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I can't even be mad. Yeah. It's like... No, I do inherently want to like Justin uh-huh. Long. I do inherently want to like Elijah Wood. No, you know? I'm mad. I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck them. <laughs> but we cut to Frank driving Lucy home in his van. She talks about what she considered to be the ambiguous nationality of their server before thanking him for driving her home. I was like, what, what the fuck? fuck? Yeah, I didn't. Un- I, I that I was like, I don't know if you're. What are you saying? Yeah. Uh, what does that matter? I just all. I'm just like Lucy. Kind of sucks, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, that was pretty gross. But his hands at ten and two. Frank says that he's happy to do it. She rubs his arm, telling him that she had a lovely evening, and invites him up to her place for a drink. I wish that I was as comfortable anywhere as she is. Everywhere? Right here. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> in this dude's passenger seat the first time we've ever met him. The way she's like slouched and like fucking just chilling. I was like, this bitch does not care. Like, she doesn't care. But after asking if she's sure, he nervously agrees. She asks him about all the stuff in the back of the van, saying that she thought he was a journalist or something. We see mannequin hands swaying rhythmically in the rearview mirror as he tells her that it's for a fashion shoot and that he's just doing a favor for a friend. I I just love the idea of why why are there, why there's so many creepy ass mannequins in the back of your car, dude? And he's yeah. like, I'm holding him for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, and again, I don't know if it's an idea with the editing because this is that is true a plot point. Yeah, right. that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if maybe because we're seeing through his eyes, maybe his idea of time is a little disjointed. Maybe you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is that is strange. Because I was like, wait a minute, we don't know that or yet. Or maybe yeah. he, he manifested it. <laughs> <laughs> he was reading The Secret. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a vision board at home. Yeah, man. But at Lucy's apartment, she asks Frank where he lives, assuming he lives in a trendy apartment or something. She says her place isn't all that, but it's hers. She offers Frank a glass of white wine, which he declines, considering that he has to drive home. But Lucy sets the glass on the table, asking him if she can put on some music. She lifts open her record player and drops the needle on Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. Once Fucking again. Jam. Yeah. 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 This has got to be. It the, has to be. The beads in the back, too, are pretty cool. Oh, they're great. Yeah. yeah. I, I was I was torn. Yeah. Because I'm like, look, everybody loves this song. Yeah. yeah. It's a great song. But it's very tied to. It. It. Yeah. You, you hear know? that and you think of that movie. You it's think like, it it's like if we put Stuck in the Middle with you on and we're like, oh, well, you're just doing Reservoir Dogs really yeah like i i don't know that you can use such an iconic song that's so iconic but i took it that's why i felt like it was purposeful as an homage yeah okay all right okay I'll because you re- yeah. that i changed my mind <laughs> i'm the arbiter of right. this, this is when um this is when i have in my notes that it feels like a video game okay because it, it felt very much like, you know, he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to drink because I have to drive. And it's like, Lucy will remember this. You know what <laughs> I mean? like, that's, what it, that's what it felt like. But Lucy sips her wine, telling Frank that he's very cute before stepping away for a moment and telling him not to go anywhere. Frank looks around her apartment, noticing a collage of her selfies on a door, as well as a few keyboards resting in the corner of the living room. When he turns around, though, he finds Lucy standing there in her underwear. 
She says that she wanted to slip into something a little more comfortable before walking over and taking off Frank's coat. But she says it's his turn, turning around and asking him to take off her bra. He removes it for her, and she walks into her bedroom, hiding seductively behind the doorframe. I think this is the point where I realized his hands look like he literally just got in a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody nobody says anything. Yeah, there's there's yeah. a moment coming up and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, they like his knuckles are busted. They're yeah. like like he looks like he got in a fucking like fist fight five minutes ago. Was it at the restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> but she eventually reveals herself, enticing Frank to touch her breasts, which he does with and I wrote in my script, with filthy Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely busted hands. <laughs> so I noticed they it. were they, they were bad, but she tells him to squeeze them harder, and he does before grabbing her by the hair and putting her face against the wall. She's still into it, but Frank watches as his hands slowly find themselves around her throat. He immediately pulls back, saying that he needs to leave, but Lucy just pulls him into the bedroom and throws him onto the bed. Is this when she tells him not to be a pussy? I think so. Because I really did not appreciate that. No, not good. That's still whether who, no matter what the gender of the person doing it, that's gross. Don't do that. I you don't even know him. No. Like you know, I don't know. That bothered (laughs) me. I um on the technical side. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't do that. I I appreciated the cut and edit of Frank looking up at himself in the mirror. I appreciate the mirror. Oh, that was on. great. <laughs> a little decorum. Right. Well, no, there is we, none here. No, I was going to say, we weren't going to get out of this without going to the King yeah, Corner. No, no, you should have prepared I for that. wasn't prepared. <laughs> <laughs> but Frank stares up at the mirror on the ceiling, and Lucy crawls on top of him and attempts to continue her seduction before remarking, Jesus, don't look so horrified. Frank stares up at his own reflection, maintaining eye contact with himself as Lucy undoes his belt and begins to perform fellatio on him. I'm laughing. Whoa! I'm laughing. (laughs) I was like, did you just short circuit? (laughs) (laughs) I I laughed because I said perform. It's like, (laughs) ta-da! That's a magic trick. (laughs) Just juggling it. What is the script? (laughs) Um, <laughs> it's funny because as I was watching this I was like man T's gonna have a hell of a time getting through this one I also was like how the hell is T gonna <laughs> <laughs> but the camera zooms in on Frank's face as his arms reach down to Lucy we hear her weakly say his name <laughs> I don't know you've, you've ruined me for the word weekly because one time a long time ago you said something something weekly and you're like and I don't mean once every seven days <laughs> <laughs> I mean, lacking strength. (laughs) (laughs) But we hear her weekly say his name. And when the camera pulls back, we see that he is choking her. But for me, this goes back to the idea that he is trying to fight something off Mm -hmm. because it's like that's what he was about to do a a second ago. And that's why he was like, "Okay, let's let's cool it. (laughs) You know, and she wouldn't she wouldn't let him take a step back. Mm -hmm. Not saying that she deserved it. I'm just saying, no. Don't force people to do things they don't want to do. That's all. (laughs) I'm trying very hard. This film is very difficult. It's hard. (laughs) But he forces himself on top of her as she fights against him, and the music fades out as her life slips away. After the murder, Frank angrily asks, why can't you leave them alone? And can I just have one without you getting in the way? 
Okay, so, you know, Dark yeah. Passenger. <laughs> yeah. And this is, I think this was my issue with the screenplay. I understand that we're we're Frank. Right, right. So is this, is he actually saying this out loud or are we hearing his thoughts? It could be either way. We are him. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought he was talking out loud. Me too. And I was like, be quiet. You know well, what I mean? They can hear you yeah. or somebody pounded on the wall. Hey, shut the fuck up. Is they go? Yeah, there is more. I mean, (laughs) I will say as a whole, Frank is not concerned with anything. DNA evidence, no. With being seen, like he is just so unbothered. Yeah, this is what makes me like. Is this like American Psycho? Thank you. Where it's like, is this really happening? Almost because later, and I'll point it out when we get there. I'm like, how? How is this happening that nobody's here? Nobody's hearing this. Nobody's seeing this. Like There comes a point in the film that I legitimately wondered if none of this was happening. Yeah. I mean, I believe that it is uh-huh. because we kind of get evidence that it is. Yeah. But in the moment, it's like, is this fucking for real? Because this is really giving, chasing somebody with a chainsaw and screaming in an apartment building, but nobody's acknowledging this. Uh-huh. Like that, it, you know, and I know not scene, quite that bad, but almost that bad. that you're uh, talking about. Yeah. I didn't get that at any of this. I'm I'm interested to hear. Yeah. There's one moment in particular that I was I because again with the screenplay somebody <laughs> said something and I'm like well yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Frank looks down at Lucy's dead body, saying, "Look what you made me do," and I hate you. Before pulling a straight razor out of his pocket, he kneels down to Lucy's head, saying that he's gonna make it all better. He slices through the flesh of her forehead, tearing away bit by bit until he scalps her completely. Overcome, he rushes to the restroom, vomiting into her toilet and onto the floor before cleaning himself up at the sink and catching his breath. (laughs) I have in my notes, okay, I hope there was nothing important there because I did look away. (laughs) That was so fucking gross. He cleaned up the toilet a little Uh, bit. A little bit. I can't think about no, it too neither. much. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I do want to say that I have Get gone. Past, I have gone on record several times, and I said we never need to see vomit no, on screen it again. Was, it was, and when he approached the toilet, I was like, "You're nope. about to fucking throw up." No. I, what's funny is that you texted me. I did. And you said, "Hey, <laughs> just a heads up. Watch out." <laughs> Eighteen minutes in. Yes. There is some vomit. Thank you for the time code. I mean, I do my best, but this is when I have that we are just we're not. Uh, at all concerned about dna right no i mean i know we did a quick wipe down or whatever but i mean yeah okay but back at his apartment frank wheels a mannequin wrapped in a tarp into his bedroom a figure is under the covers of his bed and he tells them that he is a surprise for them and that he just couldn't wait he removes the tarp revealing a bald mannequin dressed like lucy in her underwear complete with her pierced lip frank says that he saved the best for last pulling Lucy's scalp from a grocery bag and placing it on the mannequin's head. He says it's a perfect fit, but then he picks up a staple gun, telling the mannequin that it might sting a little bit before firing a few staples to secure the scalp. He tells Red Lucy 86 to meet his girlfriend, and he looks over at the figure under the covers. I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to suspect that there wasn't a woman in (laughs) there. It's all coming together. Yeah. He says the two of them will get along just fine before returning his gaze to where the mannequin once stood, only now Lucy, fully alive, stands there in its place. Realizing that his, quote, girlfriend, unquote, 
hasn't said anything to him during this entire scene. He asks why she's ignoring him and pulls the blanket off of her to reveal a mannequin dressed like Judy with her scalp stapled to it. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Confused, he says that this is impossible and he turns back to Lucy to see that she's also returned to being a mannequin. So this, this is not funny at all, period. But there is a very funny the, line. Yeah, I was like, where's the fun? Because the fact yeah. that you have to say, well, okay. this isn't funny. Eli- <laughs> Elijah Wood, or I guess Frank. Frank looks at Judy's mannequin, and he's shocked, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when he turns around to see that Lucy is also a mannequin again, he goes, oh, you too? <laughs> <laughs> Which is very funny, but it's it's... it's it's I I don't know. This film is so dark that I was like mining you, for days. I was gonna say you have to grab what you can for some levity, and I'm like, okay, that one line, thank you. Because <laughs> good well, lord, I had seen an interview with Elijah Wood, and the guy that was interviewing him had said that he did notice. He called it jet black humor. Really? It, yeah. And Elijah Wood was like, yeah. In some parts, he was like, because Frank is such an awkward person. That there are moments that are kind of funny, yeah, but in the darkest way, and so maybe. <laughs> I mean, writing the script, I did not. <laughs> I didn't get. You're like, in what? What? Yeah, can where, I get time which stamps? Scene? <laughs> <laughs> which ones? <laughs> but Frank loses it, bashing the Judy mannequin with a light fixture, screaming that she's just like her. She does the same things as her, and asks why. He walks into his bathroom, screaming into the mirror and punching the glass, shattering it and bloodying his fist. But in a flashback, we see young Frank, played by Eli Dupont, brushing the hair of Angela, his mother, played by America Olivo. After he's finished, his mother turns around, caressing his small face at a job well done. So you're like, this is the explanation. Right. At least for the fascination with hair. Yeah, I was, uh, as soon as I saw this, I was a little annoyed because I'm like, okay, of course, it's the mom, yeah. right? Well, you got two options, I think, in horror like, films yeah. when they're trying to explain a serial killer. Yeah, I'm like, of course, it's the mom. And then as it goes on, I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> no, never mind. Well, it just gets worse. Indefensible, yeah. 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 And sadder. It does. But, and this was an interesting point to me, and I only bring it up because Calhoun brought it up himself talking about a Ted Bundy-esque at least presenting killer. Okay. So I'm like, she has long, dark hair. Judy had long, dark hair. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, along those lines, but Lucy had short, red, curly hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I just thought it was interesting to me that like there was an opportunity here to do that because even Ted Bundy hunted, you know, long, dark hair parted down the middle. To have a like a profile. Right. But it doesn't, it, it doesn't no like he doesn't no right so because when i saw him brushing the hair i was like oh, oh. and nah. then in a second we see somebody else with long dark hair yeah i don't know it was just I was, I, well it's it, like we uh, have an mo but not but really not, not, yeah. not, not, not really i feel like again it's kind of a maybe it's a missed opportunity yeah well, freelance well <laughs> yeah uh, freelance <laughs> we're kind of yeah. doing our own thing okay right. got it got it <laughs> But in present day, Frank looks down at his feet in the bathroom. Water drips from the faucet as he slowly makes his way to the front of his apartment, which we see is actually a storefront with mannequins displayed in the window. He notices Anna, played by Nora Arnezadir, crouching with a camera, snapping shots of the mannequins in the window under the metal blinds covering most of the windows. 
I'm immediately afraid for her. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is when I was like, <laughs> I know we do find out. But I have. So does he sell mannequins? What is this? Like? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is going on? That's yeah. I. <laughs> and honestly, I will say that as we continue on, the service he provides, I don't know how often, how it's sustainable, how necessary. Yeah, that did seem that that is one thing I will agree. <laughs> I like, how are you he, paying your bills? He does tell us what he does yeah but it really is like how often are you getting orders for this seriously dude? like what the fuck say like, hey this is really busted yeah um, <laughs> no we don't want to get a new one <laughs> you said you restored them yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah and it's it's interesting because i guess i'd have to look at old like what if in the 60s this was all the rage yeah they needed them could be who knows but the original didn't really have any meaning for it at all, so this is all built in for the remake. Oh, okay. He just had mannequins? That was just part of it. Okay. That's a little weird. He's <laughs> just an enthusiast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I just like these. That's just... <laughs> but Frank raises up the blinds, and Anna apologizes for disturbing him. She tells him that she was just trying to take a few pictures and asks if it's okay that she continues. Frank gives her the go-ahead, and she does. He asks what it's for, and she tells him that it's fine art. She hands him her portfolio from her bag for him to take a look at and confirms that her accent is French when he asks. I will say, like, the thing, one thing about this film is that there there are, like, deeply, like, flawed and, like, very mean characters yeah. in it. <laughs> and so Anna is a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like an angel. <laughs> yes. She seems very kind. She's very charming. And it's just like, thank you for this break. <laughs> <laughs> But Frank flips through the photos, asking what she does exactly. Anna says that she takes pictures of mannequins and tries to bring them to life with light. I thought that in this, there are, I will say, I had some words about the script earlier. (laughs) And I'll have more words later. (laughs) (laughs) But I appreciate little lines like this because it's kind of the antithesis of what Frank does. She brings mannequins to light with life. He brings them to light with darkness. Yeah. Life with darkness. What did I say? I think you said light. Well, <laughs> either way, it's it's it. it. <laughs> Y'all knew what I meant. You know exactly <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> but now finished, she apologizes for disturbing him again and thanks him, collecting her portfolio. Frank tells her that he's normally not open on weekends, so she thanks him for opening up for her. She says goodbye, but he stops her, asking if she'd like to see his work. I was like, run, no. Yeah, Get just let her go. Out of there. She's wanted some pictures. That's it. But Anna asks him if he's an artist, and he says he's not sure, but he invites her inside, saying that maybe she could tell him. And I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Come on, dude. But she walks in and surveys the room surrounded by mannequins of all styles and eras, Frank telling her that he's restored them all himself. Anna marvels at them, asking questions about them, and even learning that one of them is from the 1930s. Very impressed, Anna gets an idea. She's having a show for her photos at a gallery downtown and suggests that maybe she could use some of Frank's mannequins for a photo shoot. She says they're much more unique than the ones that she's been shooting. She asks if this is his place, and he says that it is, and he qualifies that it was actually his family's, and they've been restoring mannequins for three generations. Anna continues looking over the mannequins, but then she asks, Who's Angela? Frank stops for a moment before telling her that Angela was his mother, but she passed away. 
Anna gives her condolences before inching her way toward his apartment, asking if he lives here. Frank's like, thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, you don't got to tell me twice. Have no. a good day. Yeah, Thank oh, no, you. Yeah. Bye. Like, that's, no. That's all. <laughs> the way he reacted, okay, bye. Oh, there's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Are you doing something funny with these mannequins? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> bye. I catch you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See ya. But he motions her back to the front door and she apologizes for being nosy, but says that the place is just so special. She then asks if she could rent his mannequins, but Frank says that he tries to find permanent homes for them instead. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if uh, that's like uh, harsh, but that's strange. Well, I think my thing is that um, Anna takes it as a joke. Right. But he's dead serious. Yeah. you're. It's like you're not rehoming kittens. No. You know, it's a mannequin. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, but if he's restoring them, I'm sure to him they mean a little something. I guess. But I mean, <laughs> if I fix a table and somebody's like, can I just borrow that for six can months? Can I use and then it, bring it for back? a photo shoot well, and then give it back I, to you yeah, so you can but, sell it properly? Well, I'm, I mean to sell that table, but uh-huh. I just need it for two days. But but I need to sell the table. I think in all honesty, if, if, if that were me, I'd be like, look, I have not restored a mannequin in 18 months can you please yeah. <laughs> rent, rent all of them I need to eat. <laughs> he does have a lot yeah <laughs> but anna does laugh off what he says and she offers to adopt them instead and writes down her phone number for him she says if he changes his mind she promises to have them home before midnight joking that she could be a good mother she tells him to call her as she makes her way to the exit but before she leaves she tells frank by the way you have lipstick on your face. She tells him to have a great day as he turns a mirror around, a smudge of red resting just under his chin, which he feverishly wipes away. Well, this is awkward. Well, <laughs> Very. <laughs> it's just me and these mannequins. I like your hat, though. Come back later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking you've got red on you. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this I was wondering if this is lipstick from one of the mannequins or if it's blood from a previous scalping right i thought it was blood either way yeah it's interesting it is but i'm like were you kissing the Maybe. mannequins well he said it was his girlfriend yeah <sighs> what <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man. <laughs> the film has a lot there's a lot of layers i don't know yes <laughs> i would love to answer all these questions for you i got nothing But Frank heads back into his apartment as the score eerily hums, and he walks past shelves upon shelves of mannequin parts to reach his bedroom. Once there, (laughs) he finds two mannequins seemingly caught in the act of cunnilingus on his bed. Right. A little doll (laughs) corum. I've been waiting this whole time. (laughs) You looked (laughs) very prepared. (laughs) So Frank immediately says, no, 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 get out. And I thought he was kicking the mannequins out for cheating on him or whatever. But he's actually talking to the dozens of flies buzzing around the decaying flesh and dried blood stapled to the scalps of the mannequins. He's like, oh, no, no, y'all go ahead. Yeah, you can (laughs) Get these flies out of here. As you were. (laughs) But he grabs a can of bug spray and he goes to town. And I laughed because I was like thinking of Nay with the wasp spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have just said bug spray. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's easier. A lot easier. Um, But this is when I'm like realizing, oh, yeah, like there's meat and stuff. You know, what's the smell like in there? It can't be great. Seeing yeah. the flies, I'm like, oh, the, the, 
you know, that's tissue. Like yeah. that's gonna decompose. Anna didn't smell anything. Oh yeah. She didn't get very far back there though. No, well, you haven't thought of the smell. <laughs> <laughs> but his vision grows blurry as he admits that the scene is disgusting. He rushes to the bathroom and scrubs his hands bloody with steel wool. That was hard to watch. Oh yeah. Because he does it more than once. And yeah. you can like imagine that was uh It doesn't feel good. I, mm, if mm. we use it to clean at work sometimes, those steel wool wool pads. Yeah. And that shit'll cut you. It's like yeah, and he's easily. deliberately yeah. scrubbing his hands with it. Like so, they what do they get that from? Like a metal sheep or what's the? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> cool <laughs> robot sheep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but he stares at himself in the mirror, and a high pitched shriek overtakes him. But when he looks down, he sees that his hands are white as snow and made of fiberglass. He screams in horror, reaching for his pills and seemingly taking a handful of them. So this is the beginning of something that'll be a big payoff later. Yeah. As far as the mannequin parts. Mm. Yeah. There is actually something that's very subtle foreshadowing that I appreciated. Right. It comes later and I will point it out. All right. So I like some of the script. (laughs) (laughs) But Frank rushes out of the bathroom and in his mind's eye, he imagines Anna looking over his mannequins again and the camera pulls back from his point of view to reveal Frank and Anna locking eyes with each other and smiling, Frank's chin smudged in red. I, I liked, it was funny to me that he had um, such a selective memory of what really happened. And what yeah. He's like, no, I think she was in love with me. <laughs> My face was smudged. Yeah. <laughs> I did, that lipstick was there. I can't. It was, it <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah. Can't lie about that. Yeah, that was true. <laughs> But later, Frank combs his hair in his broken mirror and gets dressed for the day, including throwing on a holster for his knife. That thing's badass. That's the second time I've seen a shoulder holster for a knife on something. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I might just have to buy one. Yeah, I thought of you immediately. Thank you. (laughs) You're like, all right, for Christmas, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) let me find a little way. (laughs) But he drives through Los Angeles in the daylight, randomly focusing in on several women he passes along the way. A jogger played by Jacqueline Buddha, a girl in a striped dress played by Davis Neves. But when he stops to stare at a woman outside of a jewelry store, a policewoman played by Dele Ogunderin knocks on his window and tells him to move it. Frank lies, saying that he's just waiting for his wife. But when she threatens a citation, he drives away. The audacity of him to be like, no, I belong here. (laughs) No, you don't understand. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. it I know it says no parking, but my wife said that. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. That's, yeah. Also, he did pass a theater showing the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Caligari. Yes. I did see that. Mm -hmm. And it's just scary because it's broad daylight, but he's like on the prowl. Yeah. Any and all of these women are at risk. I think that's what made it so funny. But it's not funny, but we know what you're doing. Yeah. And the fact that a literal officer walks up to you and is like, get moving. And you're like, no. Nah. <laughs> I think and, and there's there's something that comes up later in um, the same context with the police where he is just so chill. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels so strange because that's not the character we he's, know. No, he's right, incredibly right. cagey and awkward. But yeah, he's just like, uh-uh. <laughs> My wife's in there. <laughs> well, no woman is going to come out and get in your car. No. And then what? You're just going to sit here forever? I'm sure he was trying to think of something. To I, I guess. He can't be like, I'm stalking these women. Don't you yeah. see what's going on? I'm busy. Leave yeah. me alone. But he's very obvious. That's yes. the one. It's like, dude, what the fuck? 
your creepy ass van like he yeah. said and even at the beginning when he's like i see you too yeah we all see you <laughs> yeah, yeah everybody yeah. Sees you don't you. you're not even doing the joe goldberg disguise no no his full even face be bothered. Is just, yeah. <laughs> couldn't be bothered to buy a hat <laughs> but that night on his drive frank notices an aerial silk dance class through the window on the second story of a building Jessica, played by Genevieve Alexandra, hangs upside down gracefully, and Frank lets himself inside the building to watch from the wings. It's amazing. It is. Yes. Anybody who can do that shit, I, it is wow. The balance and <laughs> yes. strength to stay suspended and not choke yourself. I think that amazing. If, yeah. I, were, if I were to take that <laughs> class, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, so you just put your leg right here. <laughs> dead. I'm dead. <laughs> then your neck is That's broken. it. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> just sit on it like a swing and say like this. No, no. Not, no. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Jessica stretches, twists, and spins as a piano plays in a very flexible and beautiful display. We then cut to Frank watching from inside a closet in the dressing room as Jessica enters the room in a towel. He breathes heavily as she bares her breasts and moisturizes herself before letting her hair down to brush it. This is what really made me think of Halloween. Yes. Um, with his sister. Yeah, yeah. This, Brushing of the hair. Yeah. The whole thing. But after a moment, Frank moves incorrectly, causing one of the floorboards to creak, which gets Jessica's attention. She covers herself and slowly inches towards the closet, but the door to the dressing room bursts open loudly, frightening Jessica. It's another dancer played by Lauren Emily Vaughn who apologizes, telling Jessica that she just forgot her tights. Jessica, still a little shaken by the noise she heard earlier, asks her friend to wait for her. I was very glad to hear her do that. Yes. Obviously, things take a different turn in about 30 seconds, yeah. but, but that was good. at this moment... Good. Yeah. But later, Jessica leaves with that dancer and another dancer played by Rochelle Rudolph. The three women joke about one of them being shoved into a locker or something, and Frank follows close behind them. There is a line about how, after being shoved into the locker, one of them could have broken their ankle. Oh, very good. All right. So, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, we're starting. That's good. Yeah. 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 Um, I was just distracted by the fact that once again, we've described Frank is a cagey looking dude. Uh-huh. He looks like he hasn't slept in some weeks. Mm -hmm. He looks very nervous. He's very close behind them. Yeah. yeah. Nobody. I mean, I just, it's a recurring issue. Nobody's aware of their surroundings. No. <laughs> like, I'm like, just turn or just look over your shoulder. Yeah. It's like when you see in like car chase movies is that a genre car chase movies uh -huh. yes it's like you see <laughs> in car chases and movies or like pursuits or whatever where they don't put any cars between them yeah or any distance and they're just it's like, like oh <laughs> they've been following me for the yeah. last hour if he turns around once i'm fine yeah. <laughs> but the women ask jessica out for a drink but jessica declines saying that she has to get home the three of them enter the subway frank in pursuit he watches as Jessica says goodnight to her friends, both of them telling her to get home safely. I was like, that's very upsetting. Yeah. yeah. Frank watches as she gets onto the subway car and follows her on. Seated across from him is a man reading the newspaper with a headline on the front page that says, Police Suspect Serial Killer. That's me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I that that was when I realized because I was thinking about him leaving all the evidence in the yes. apartment. Yeah, he just doesn't care. Yeah, like it was so like that was sloppy as hell. Well, uh, same thing with scalping her in the hallway. Yes. Yeah. of the apartment building. Yeah, 
See, and this is why this is when I'm starting and this scene in particular. It's, it's here for me. Where I'm like, oh, this is not happening at all. Because the leaving all that evidence in the apartment, leaving all that evidence in Judy's apartment right. outside, the police, it's 2012. It's not 1912. Exactly. Yeah. I thought the same thing. And it's it's like once I started questioning it here, and again, you abandon it because it's like, oh, this is actually happening. Yeah. yeah. But at this point, I'm like, oh, maybe that maybe it's not mm-hmm. and that makes sense like how did he get into her dressing room closet yes how is he navigating through singling out these women and nobody like everything just happening to fall into place for you to do what you're doing this woman is you're you know in love with mannequins or whatever and she's photographing mannequins like it yeah, all seems too, too perfect, perfect. And then later it's like, oh no, never mind. It is actually happening. <laughs> That's interesting because I I took it the other way. The newspaper is confirming what he's doing. Yeah, I know I can see that, but it's it's this upcoming scene. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and then And well, there's something else that comes up later in a line of dialogue that kind of discounts what we just read. I don't know. It's very slight. Okay. But I'm like, what the fuck? I get so confused by this film at some point. Right, right. But I'll bring that up. Okay. Okay. But rather than worry about what he's seen on the newspaper at all, Frank turns his attention to Jessica, who sits alone on the other side of the car. Noticing him watching her, she looks very uncomfortable and stands up to wait at the door for her stop. I did appreciate her noticing him. Yes. Because he's blatant. Like, he's not even trying to look away or look down and then glance up at her. He's just fucking staring at her. He is. And interestingly, he never blinks. (laughs) He he doesn't. I don't know. (laughs) But once the car screeches to a halt, she makes a break for it. Frank immediately follows after her, telling her that she's so beautiful. Jessica takes off running, putting some distance between her and Frank. She stands at a railing calling out to him, what the fuck? And she tells him to leave her alone and runs fearfully through the oddly deserted subway. There's not one person there. Yeah. No. That's and I, when I was like, oh, this isn't happening for real. The, the, he's Patrick Batemaning. Yeah. Right. This whole thing. And the thing that caused me to think that is because, A, she was at a class, mm-hmm. not the club till 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably like 8, 9 o'clock. Yeah. And there were people and there's on nobody the train. Here. And very interestingly, and this kind of... <laughs> interestingly. <laughs> I can never say that word again. <laughs> um, the thing that got me as well was that whenever she turned around to look at Frank, mm. she said, oh, fuck, as if she knows him. Okay. Mm. So I don't know if it's from her having seen him when she left the dance studio or okay. if he reached her out on the dating website. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So I don't, you know... I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't know how the way that the film makes it seem is that he's just driving by and he just sees her in the window. Yeah, it right. does. But I don't know. There seems like there's some kind of uh, recognition. Okay, okay. Or maybe the fact that he was getting off too. Yeah. Because that's an oh fuck. That's oh, true. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, this whole thing was bizarre just for the fact that it they're like he's full on chasing her through these very public places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they do that in every other horror movie. Halloween does that in too. In the dead I of mean, night. Yeah, yeah, but it, it in the dead of night there's people in a hospital. And even when they're walking Haddonfield. on the street, no. people the more she walks, the more people just disappear. So it's like I don't I get what you're saying, but I was just took it as like she's getting further and further from yeah, what she Yeah, and needs I to mean be. I I guess more it's like people get stalked 
in yeah. public places. They don't fully break into a sprint and chase someone who's screaming, help me, help me. Like that's oh, no, not I, usually, yeah. I, it, it was very surreal. Right. Because okay, there's yeah. no one here. Yeah. There's not one person here. There's not someone working the kiosk. Yeah. There's not, you yeah. Know, no, I, I, I get it. It's, it's a al- Los it's Angeles like a, subway. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a dream. Yes. Right. And it kind of lends to that unreality for mm. me. I, that it may, it fully made me think that all at least some of this was in his head, which is not. It's not right. Like, this is happening. Yeah. yeah. So that's so why I, this is just strange. Yeah. That's okay. no dream. Yeah. <laughs> this is really happening. I don't know if they're like, look, we couldn't hire any extras. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is what we got. All right. But Frank chases her up an escalator and into an alley filled with smoke. It's a great atmosphere. I'll give it that. Yeah. Jessica runs into a parking lot, but sees that her exit is blocked off by a gate. She screams for someone to help her and to open it, but Frank just calmly enters the parking lot, snagging a large bar of metal and blocking the gate he entered through. He unsheathes his knife, catching his own reflection in the window of a nearby car. He slides under the car and watches as Jessica frantically searches for a way out, calling out for help. She eventually returns to the gate that she entered through, discovering that Frank has closed and blocked it. Defeated, she takes a few steps back, standing right in front of the car that Frank is hiding under. Without hesitation, Frank reaches out his knife and Gage creeds her Achilles tendon. Literally, though, the second I saw that angle, angle? Yeah. I was like, fuck. Can we <laughs> not, it please? Hurts. It hurts every time. Yeah. Now, I don't know how big Elijah Wood is, but... <laughs> I don't know if I can squeeze under a fucking, like, a car like that. Then he's just laying yeah, under there. Yeah. <laughs> he did it with ease. Yeah. And and silently. Yeah. I was like, damn. Up and under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the ankle splits graphically, her leg buckling, and she falls to the ground screaming. There is a very, very, very smart cut. Um the leg that he slices is a prosthetic. Okay. And it's filled with like blood at the ankle, built to an angle to where it'll collapse in that horrible way we saw. Yeah. And then when it cuts, you see her actually fall. But you're so taken aback by the gore. Yeah. yeah. You don't even realize the cut. Yeah. That's, That's cool. Yeah. 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 But she tries to crawl away, but Frank steps out from the shadows, towering over her. She begs for her life, but Frank descends on her, gruesomely stabbing her to death. The camera swoops around to show him in the act, stabbing repeatedly until Jessica is dead. He reaches down, scalping her just like the others, as relief seems to wash over his bloodstained face. Did he just... I yeah. don't want to talk about it. He did. I mean, yeah, I he think, got off. I, yeah. oh. <laughs> the decorum is... Yeah. The doll oh, corum is doll gone. Corum, it's, it's gone, it's gone. Good Lord. Um, I saw that a lot of people had issue with this. Uh-huh. Um, like coming out of first person mm-hmm. and Calhoun described it as an out of body experience, mm-hmm. which I feel like you're so in this moment and it is so brutal. I think that it works. I didn't have an issue with it. I think, I mean, it's very interesting when they decide to switch to third person. Yeah. Cause sometimes the film will do it and it, it catches you off guard cause you're so used to. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I, I did see an interview where he had said that he had read a lot of interviews with serial killers who described it as that mm-hmm. huh. feeling like an out of body experience, which I, I was like, God damn, this is dark. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I respect your research, but holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to get through the script, yeah. man. <laughs> You're killing me, Frank. <laughs> 
But I did want to call out because I did see a featurette of the special effects. Mm-hmm. The stabbing that we see is actually a composite shot. All right. They got a mannequin torso and they filled it with blood packs and they stabbed it with a real knife. And so they filmed that against a green screen. Uh-huh. And then whenever they filmed this scene, Elijah Wood is using a knife without a blade and they're just splicing it in together. It looks okay, great. Yeah, it I looks mean, good. it looks yes. yeah. too real. Yeah, that's the thing is like this at this point, I was like, oh, we're getting a little too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we might be. Uh, who is operating this? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I will say, I think that also might be a little bit of a reprieve for the audience to come out into third person. Yeah. Because yeah. if we stayed, it's like we we got it. It's like, yeah. holy shit, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. But he catches his reflection in a car door, one hand holding Jessica's scalp and the other holding his knife. And this is a recreation of the poster for the 1980 film. Oh, nice. That's really cool. It, and when I saw it, because I've always seen the poster for the original, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's a nice little homage. Yeah. Yeah. But in the next scene, Frank is in his workshop repairing one of his mannequins as Anna circles around him taking photos. He can't keep his eyes off of her, which is getting in the way of Anna's photography, so she asks him to keep his eyes on his work. He asks her to give him a hand, and she asks what he needs, but he's literally asking for a mannequin hand from a nearby wall. He's restoring the breast on the mannequin that he's working yeah. on. Yeah. And so I was like, can you give me a hand with this plastic titty real quick? But he, <laughs> real <laughs> he, quick. he literally meant a hand. <laughs> that kind of made me laugh. That was good. Uh, I did want to ask you to commit that line to memory. All right. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very good. Um, <laughs> I saw in an interview that Elijah Wood said that they actually got a uh, mannequin restoration like professional uh-huh. yeah. to come and show them how to do it. So he was doing it like accurately. Okay. Oh, so you've known this whole time that it's a real business and you've just let well, us... Well, I did not... I don't know that it's a real, like, pay your bills business. <laughs> I don't know if he's like a hobbyist. I don't know. Okay. But... Because again, I don't know what the demand for that is. Yeah. Unless it's just one person doing it for everyone. Oh, <laughs> like in the world. The world's mannequin. Yeah. Just one guy. At the market cornered. I yeah. don't fucking know. It's a monopoly, really. <laughs> you gotta do something about it. But uh I do know that there are people who actually restore mannequins. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's uh, Well, there's a person yeah. who restores there's, yeah. there's one guy. <laughs> but Anna laughs, giving him one, quipping, Dr. Frankenstein, I presume. As he secures the hand, Anna tells him that she's a fan of those old school horror films. So Anna's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. But she asks him once again about using the mannequins as guests at her show, enticing him with the idea that he can see them mingling as if they were real people. It's like, you're too close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've never seen that before? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I see that you? all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am, am Wait moments. till you see what they get yeah. up to. <laughs> that's mingling. No, yeah, that's they, nothing. They fucking cheat on you. <laughs> <laughs> they break your goddamn heart. <laughs> um, I feel like that that moment I was like, all right, the screenwriter's just trying to be cute. Because yeah, <laughs> they're bonding over all yeah. this shit. And- but Frank says that sometimes he thinks that the mannequins have more personality than most people. And Anna stops taking photos for a moment, telling him that she thinks that they must have the same friends. 
He's like, the crazy thing is they're the ones restoring me. (laughs) (laughs) We get some feel good music after that. It's a a rom com. He's so off. Uh huh. I'm like, so do you not realize how strange he's being? Or do you realize and you just really want to rent those mannequins? I'm like, what what's going on? So is it are you saying is it either Elijah Wood or is it her like kind of using him? Right. Well, well, but they both like the mannequins. If she's just as into it as he is, they she's do, but blinded by even in this these, is beautiful. Even in these moments, she's like, so how about how about it? <laughs> <What about? laughs> Back to my show, though. So I'm not, I'm not saying that's what she's doing. I'm just wondering because it's weird to me that nobody is treating him how strange he's acting. He's being okay. very strange. I do think that there there have been a couple of red flags already. Oh no! Yeah. yeah, that she's just ignored. She's like, I don't know if that was lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> Has he been scalping people? <laughs> <laughs> That's the logical yeah, jump. Yeah, yeah. A to B. <laughs> but after the photo shoot, Frank flips through Anna's shots from the session, telling her that she's incredibly talented. She says that makes two of us, but Frank disagrees, saying he's just a restorer. But at her request, Frank opens up the door to his van, revealing about a dozen faceless mannequins covered in a tarp that he's going to let her use for the show. She says that they're amazing and that it's going to be perfect. He asks why they had to be faceless, and she plays coy, vaguely telling him that she has an idea for the show. He closes the door, and she asks him if he'd like to go to lunch with her, and he agrees. We cut to them walking together in a park, Anna explaining that this is her third exhibition since graduating, but it's her first with this gallery. If it's successful, this could open up the door for her to have other shows at other galleries in New York City. She admits that before she met him, something was missing from her exhibition, but she says that his mannequins will give it the perfect ambience that she was looking for. He tells her that when she came into his shop, she looked at the mannequins like no one else ever had. She assumes that he thought she was crazy, but he tells her that she was very soulful with them. As they sit together watching the ducks in a pond, Frank explains that when his mother died last summer, he wasn't sure what he was going to do with the shop. Most store owners don't care about mannequin restoration, as they're cheaper to buy new, but Frank just couldn't close up shop and abandon them. Anna, now eating a sandwich, says that it's like her old photo negatives. She has tons of boxes of them, but she could never part with them. Frank admits that it's hard to move on sometimes, and Anna slyly asks, So what does your girlfriend think of your work? Frank tells her that he doesn't have a girlfriend, which uh, we just saw you introduce your girlfriend. Yeah. Unless he broke up with the bed mannequin, I don't know. Well, she was cheating on him. Oh, yeah, it's a good reason. (laughs) It didn't work out. Okay, single. (laughs) Ready to mingle. Ready to mannequin mingle. (laughs) But she's surprised by this, saying that she thought that he lived with someone, which I think is the callback to the smudged lipstick. Yeah. Yeah. But things begin to grow frantic and fuzzy for Frank. The ducks start fucking each other up, and Frank... (laughs) (laughs) They were fighting. Yeah. But Frank... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> aren't ducks like mean i think they bite you yeah, yeah. you're like take the bread <laughs> take it all <laughs> but frank stands up his ears piercing with a high-pitched wail once again anna asks him what's wrong and he tells her it's just a migraine and that he needs his medication He stumbles away from her as she asks if she can help him, but he tells her very politely that he just needs to be alone. 
Frank stumbles disoriented through the city, kind of like when Smithers thought he shot Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> but he bumps into a random pedestrian <laughs> who just offers him a watch it, fuckface. I was like, oh Jesus, man, what a nice city. <laughs> but we cut to a pharmacy. The pharmacist, played by Akbar Kurtha, suggests a nasal spray for his migraine, which he won't need a prescription for. This, I, I had to point it out, this pharmacist is so kind. Yeah. And a very genuine smile after the fuck face thing and then <laughs> yeah. Yeah. after those ducks and everything. <laughs> it was very refreshing. I think that there's so many characters in this film that are just flat out assholes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd say the majority. Yeah. yeah. It was very nice for just a genuine interaction for Frank. Mm. Yeah. Not that I, you know, am a hundred percent feeling for him or anything like right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's good that at least one person. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of Anna. And somebody trying to help him. Too. Yes. But Frank thanks him, immediately tearing it open to spray it into his nose. He turns to see an elderly man watching him like, what the fuck? Like, have you never seen somebody with a migraine yeah. before? Yeah, it's but not. I don't, is, no, exactly. Is this happening or is this like in the restaurant where right. he felt like everybody was looking at him? That's what I was thinking because there's also a woman that stands directly in front of him looking at him in confusion. Yeah. So it's like they're, everybody's staring at you. Yeah. So it, it feels like it's more of what we saw. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Because I was like, fucking asshole. Yeah. Well, he is ripping that box open. And yeah, but if you're at a pharmacy... Like you stumble into a pharmacy and you're like, you need relief. There's something yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't be like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? No, you're <laughs> yeah, you know? just a little cruel. <laughs> if it's actually happening. Yeah. But that night, Frank drives through Los Angeles, making it back to the shop. He watches the news from his bed where the police chief, played by Sal Landy, discusses an open case. He says they found links connecting the two victims in Midtown, but the investigation is still developing, so he refuses to elaborate in more detail. I feel like I don't when I saw him, I know that I've seen him bad. Like he plays bad guys before. Mm. What else have you seen him in? Well he <laughs> he was in Desperate Housewives. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But when I saw him, I was like, oh, this is gonna be like he's chasing him down. Yeah. Um I don't think we ever see him again. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the chief, so you're like, oh. Right, right. Nope. It also, it's not, again, it's not funny. Maybe this is like the jet black humor that they were talking about, but he's just laid up in bed yeah. <laughs> with this mannequin watching the news. Super casual. Again, though, I have in my notes, I bet it fucking stinks in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, just trying to put yourself in that. I bet it, I bet it smells oh, yeah. real bad. Flies buzz around Frank's mannequins. Yeah. And the police chief says that all he can tell the press is that all the victims were Caucasian women between the ages of 20 and 30. Frank lies, as we said, very casually in bed, <laughs> just watching the news. The most comfortable I've seen him the whole yeah. film. Yeah. His legs are crossed. He's old. Dude. <laughs> you only do that when you don't have to get up. <laughs> well, you're, you're home. You're with your partner. <laughs> yeah. You know? Just lamped up. You're fine. <laughs> But he tells his mannequins that the police can talk all they want, but they'll never understand. As he sprays the flies away, he tells them that as long as they can keep a secret, the police will never find them. But if they can't keep a secret, the police will find them and they'll be alone. He puts his hand over one of their mouths, asking it to promise that it won't tell. I again, like, I've, I, I feel confused by Frank's changing 
Like, cause now he's like, ah, they'll never get me. See, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, why are you? Why are you Catch doing this? Catch me if you can, Kappa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you're on my trail, Kappa. It's like, what? <laughs> why? Why is he so chill? Like, this doesn't jive with the frantic, nervous Frank. Yeah. You would think he would be like, oh shit. I just think I feel like what the only thing that <laughs> I like the push pull of it. Right. I think it would just be cooler if we slowly saw him like evolving or devolving into this like this guy right or the guy we saw at the beginning but it is a lot of back and forth with no real it's just like oh okay you're you're chill now like there's no catalyst for him acting one way or the other right well you can't be on edge all the time i mean (laughs) well he's clearly chilling i'm home yeah he's all right (laughs) it's nighttime yeah you know And what do you mean you can't be on edge all the time? Nobody told me that. Yeah. <laughs> when did you send that memo? Because I did not receive it. <laughs> but this very strange interaction is interrupted by the sound of Frank's mother crying in the other room and calling out to him. He turns off the lights and heads into the other room. He hides in a closet and watches as the room transforms to how it appeared in the 1980s. I did want to call out the... Uh, production design on this film mm-hmm. it was done by stefania cella and i feel like i think i really noticed and started paying attention after this shift to the 80s mm-hmm. so i was like that is very believable the, yeah even like the wallpaper yeah and the fixtures and then when you think about frank's apartment you're like well that had to be her design too it's yeah. great yeah it's great and horrible <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> But Angela steps inside her bedroom with 80s Man 1 and 80s Man 2, played by Brian Ames and Patrick Orr. Great credits. Yeah. (laughs) Angela takes turns kissing them, and they sit her down on the bed, continuing with the foreplay, opening her shirt and kissing her all over. Angela pulls away for a moment to indulge in some of the devil's salt. I figure if we, <laughs> if it's understood that the devil's lettuce, is, <laughs> this should be a thing too, right? Salt. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't think. It's his table salt. Look, before she can snort the salt through a rolled up dollar bill, she notices young Frank watching from the closet. She puts her finger over her lips to shush him and mouths that she loves him. All right. So I was like, okay, so now we're going to kind of blame the mom for what frank became just because she liked to get it in and like to you know Mm. dabble in some recreational drugs or whatever and then she sees him and is just like oh no be cool i was like fuck yeah no okay yeah this is bad you that's gotta fuck you up right Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with you know what i mean but don't have your kids there no that's why i was like okay you know that's her thing. Yeah, like, you do you, but... Being a mom and restoring mannequins is hard. Let her relax how she wants. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indefensible. Yeah, no, this is, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah, no, that's abuse. That's yeah. fucking disgusting. I was like, okay, great, never mind. But it all dips to white, and we see Frank in present day, shirtless, his eyes red and swollen. He looks down to discover that his lower body has been replaced with mannequin parts. The how seamless this was yes when yeah. the camera kept dropping i was like there's no way elijah wood's about to hang dong right now i was oh, like nay. but that it was so seamless that it was jarring yeah it was <laughs> <It's> just 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. He thought you were going to get some eye candy and then he felt like a Ken doll. Yeah, you were like, hey, it was whoa, like, holy shit. On. So this it was, was Dalcorum. This was Dalcorum. Yes. Yeah, this was the definition <laughs> of Dalcorum. I will say his reaction is pretty subdued for what he sees. A little bit, yeah. He's like, oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least seen the hands earlier. Yeah, that's true. He's like, not there. <laughs> Jordy Verrill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, it was it was seamless. I, I it's shocking. It is. But we cut to Frank, parked outside of the art gallery where Anna has displayed her works and his mannequins. He calls her on the phone, watching her from his van. She answers, seemingly happy to hear from him, and she thanks him for a necklace that he made her. She asks what the stone is, and he tells her that he found it at a thrift store. She then asks, Is that real hair? Frank covers, saying that he believes that it's horsehair. Uh, huh. Yeah. yeah. So, but again, we don't know here how much time has passed, but I'm like, oh, we're dating, dating. Like, he made her jewelry. Right. Well, I mean, it was a nice gesture. You make jewelry for a friend. What's a best friend's bracelet? For a friend you just met? Well, not that, that you're clearly yeah. like in love with? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, so. I thought they were dating. Well,. That is one thing, too, because they both have a common interest. They both seemed like they were really into fixing the mannequins and taking pictures. I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, oh, so are they dating or talking or something now? There is a line that comes up later that is quite jarring. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. But we'll talk. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk. Anna changes the subject, asking him if he's feeling better. He says that he is and that he just forgot to take his medicine and apologizes for frightening her. She says that sometimes she feels like Frank is from an older era, but she loves that about him because it makes him different. She briefly puts him on hold to say goodbye to a friend of hers who was helping her at the gallery, giving him a hug as Frank watches before he exits the building. Anna admits that she feels like a slave driver sometimes, but Frank tells her that he can't relate because he's always worked alone. That line for me... It's not what he says, it's how he says it. Yeah. And that's that's like that's got to be like the fifth red flag that yeah. we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, no, it's horse fur or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Like, what the fuck? What where'd you get all this horse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just have that lying around? So Are the did you stuff the mannequins? What the is that part of it? <laughs> it doesn't explain. But Anna asks if he ever feels lonely and Frank says that that's why he's calling her. Anna says that she'd love to do something with him, but she has too much work to do tonight with her exhibition, but she makes plans with him for the following evening. They say goodnight to each other, and then we immediately cut to Frank sitting in a movie theater, watching The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, a German expressionist film from 1920, which, as you had said, we saw in the marquee earlier. Yeah. So I was like, all right, a little payoff. Yeah, because I was like, is that another homage? Well, And then later it's like, oh, they're fully watching it. Okay, cool. And the thing is, is that as it continues, we see the film on the screen. Mm-hmm. Cesare, played by Conrad Veidt, stalks over Jane, played by Lil Dagover, who sleeps in bed. He brandishes a knife, hanging it over her threateningly. Frank's like, finally some yeah. representation <laughs> on the big screen. <laughs> the thing is to me, as I was watching it, as I was like, holy shit, Cesare kind of looks like Elijah Wood. Yeah. They have like a pretty similar bone structure. Huh. All right. And I was like, (laughs) is this? (laughs) But Frank turns his attention over to Anna, who sits next to him. He just stares at her eating her popcorn until she tells him that he's missing the movie. So I was like, all right, that's a double payoff. 
she said she loved old horror films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. But as Cesare swoops on Jane, seizing her, Frank overhears his mother calling out to him. He looks around the crowded theater, but when he looks back to the screen, he sees himself strangling Lucy to death in her apartment in black and white. A woman turns around in front of him, revealing herself to be a mannequin. Like, yeah. Can you guys keep it? <laughs> But Frank <laughs> watches as he scalps Lucy on screen. But Anna. I'm, t- sorry. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the scalping. That mannequin just really tickled me. <laughs> but Anna turns to him as a mannequin in an ear splitting jump scare. He literally screams. <laughs> he yeah. does. So I'm like, you can't lose it on two dates in a row. No. Because when we were with those mean ducks, you had to run away (laughs) and go to the pharmacy, like keep it together. She eventually fades back into herself and asks Frank if he's all right. And he lies that he's fine. He really could have just excused it as he's like, this movie's scary, dude. (laughs) And done. Yeah. But Frank and Anna leave the theater together. Anna asking if he enjoyed the movie, saying it's considered to be the first ever horror film. I did Google it and Roger Ebert agrees. Really? Yes. All right. One interesting thing I did find is that they were making short horror films in the 1890s. How fucking cool. Yes. Nice. I thought that was amazing. But Anna says that she really thought Jane would be killed in the end, but Frank says that he's glad that she wasn't. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Right. Um, For a (laughs) (laughs) 100-year-old. But are you glad, Frank? Mm. Are you glad she wasn't killed? (gasps) Yeah. I will say her saying that, that she was glad that Jane survived. I, or that she was surprised that she did. Yeah. I'm like, this is foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk. Yeah. But Frank calls it a happy ending when Anna says that they all end up in a mental hospital together. At this, Anna remarks that she may have just found the last true romantic in Frank. Her phone rings, however, and she answers it. Frank stares up at the architecture of the theater as Anna tells the person on the other end that she'll call them back in five minutes. She gets off the phone, telling Frank that it was her boyfriend on the phone, and says that he's at a bar, and asks Frank if he'd like to have a drink with him. She Im- she immediately goes, Frank, are you okay? <laughs> no, well, he's not. Yeah. You can pinpoint the exact moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His boyfriend. heart rips in half. Look. You're, you, you, there's no way you're that oblivious. There's literally no way. I, I will say, if you look back at all their interactions, mm-hmm. it was very friendly it was work related so i mean twice that we saw she was like stop staring at me and get to work yeah stop staring at me and watch the movie he made you a necklace it doesn't matter where he got the horse fur he made you a necklace (laughs) he's calling you because he's lonely y'all are going out to the park and eating sandwiches together y'all are going to the movies together at night even if you don't feel the same way and to you y'all are just friends you could have Oh, you're loaning me this many? Oh, my boyfriend's going to have to help me carry these inside. You could have dropped that a long, long time ago. It, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I felt the same way when she said that. I was like, wait a minute, because you never once mentioned this. How long have we been hanging out? Yeah. And you're right. There is like friendship bracelets or whatever. But if I give you a necklace I had made for you. And you, he's staring at you constantly. Yeah. I mean, you knew, Anna. You're wrong for that. That's all I'm saying. 
And the fact that she's like, oh, that was my boyfriend. And he's like, who? <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. What's wrong? <laughs> you, you knew. You knew. I can see both sides. <laughs> is all I'm saying. But Frank politely declines this offer as Anna hails a cab, telling him that they'll have to do it another time. Anna tells Frank goodnight before closing the door. And as the cab speeds away, in almost a tone of finality, Frank says, goodbye, Anna. Part of me thought this is going to be the last we saw of Anna. Part of you was wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like 4% of me. <laughs> a small part. A very small. But he looks through the gate of a nearby storefront, seeing himself broadcast on the screens of several televisions. Rather than pay that any mind, though, Frank just continues walking down the street. But he stops when he hears moaning coming from behind him. He turns around to find his mother having sex with a man up against a pillar, and she tells him to just wait for her in the car. When his eyes travel up the pair, his mother has been replaced with Anna, but switches back to his mother immediately. Frank is now young Frank, who walks away dejectedly. And you say young, he's young. No, yeah, he's yeah. little. Yeah. yeah, this is fucking disgusting. Yes. And what guy is like? Oh, this is <laughs> this is fine. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, why are you fucking outside and just like the sidewalk like that? I don't. I don't know. What the fuck? What is the city, man? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the eighties were. Weird. Yeah, wild. What is going on? <laughs> But back in his home, Frank stands in front of a mirror shirtless, looking at himself before getting ready for Anna's show. He tilts his head side to side and the camera follows. It's like you're just showing off now. That was cool. (laughs) That was cool. I felt like, what are you psyching yourself up for? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of it like that. I didn't I didn't really think about it like that either. I was just thought he was like kind of looking at himself like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like, is there a camera in my eye? Is this black mirror? What the hell? but he heads to the art gallery which is filled with people and his mannequins pop music plays lightly as frank surveys the exhibit snagging a glass of white wine from a mannequin dressed as a server he watches as anna cozies up with jason her boyfriend played by sammy ratibi i don't know if you remember him from django unchained really it was the same year yeah he was the slave that django was hurling abuse at and then he was also the slave that eventually grew to respect Django. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. He had a whole character. All right. <laughs> and didn't Greg Nicotero work on Django as well? I think he did. No. Oh, all right. Yeah, Busier for the both yeah. of them. <laughs> but Jason compliments Anna's work and they share a kiss. But Anna notices Frank and comes over to say hello. Frank tells her that she looks beautiful and that the show is incredible. But he tells her that he really loves what she did with the projections on the mannequins themselves. And he asks, it's you, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably a really bad idea. Uh, yeah. She tells him that it is. And we see that her face is projected onto every one of his faceless mannequins. Frank sees Jason heading to the restroom and he asks Anna if she'll excuse him for a moment. We cut to Frank in the bathroom, and he slowly approaches Jason, who stands at a urinal. As Frank just stares at him, Jason asks if he's lost something. He then makes a pretty gross remark about Anna having a lot of gay friends, saying that it allows women to be friends with men without having to worry about them trying to sleep with them. 
So he's disgusting. Yeah. I kind of expected him to be like a really cool dude. Yes. I I was shocked that he's a piece of shit. I think that it would have fit the film better if he was a normal cool dude instead of being an asshole. Somebody for really? Frank to be yeah. jealous of. Because then with this, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I, hope, <laughs> I hope Frank kills him. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> and you don't want to feel that because Frank... <laughs> <laughs> Frank bad. Yeah. You're like, kill the homophobic, you know, because it gets worse. Right. Yeah, it does. Jason washes his hands, asking Frank if he's the mannequin guy. He says, let me ask you something. Did you play with dolls when you were a kid? Frank tells Jason that he isn't gay, but Jason just wipes his wet hands on Frank's jacket, offering a good talk before heading back out to the gallery. I genuinely couldn't believe that he wiped his hands on his jacket. No, it was too much. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. You tell your boyfriend if he's got beef, then I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> and I fucking Are scared of him. Are you serious? I don't know. <laughs> is that in your nose or is that no, from the No, it was on the Because <laughs> wow. I was going to be like, you go tell Anna, tell your fucking boyfriend. Uh-huh. But no, I'm a vegetarian oh. and I'm fucking scared. Very good. I was appalled. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think, I don't know, it, it just kind of was just a very strange and surprising interaction. Yeah, well, I'm not going to lie. I I figured when he walked in the bathroom and the way he first answered him, I was like, oh, he's a dick immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I was well, like, and, he's like, are you lost? Yeah. Well, like, he was on, fully dude. staring at him, P. Yeah, but, but I mean, there's, don't there's do a that. nice story to be like, hey, uh, are you okay or can I help you? Yeah. Or, you don't got to be an asshole right away. And then the shit that he says, oh, no, yeah. you're not leaving the bathroom. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not you're like, Frank, come on. Get yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like after this interaction alone, I don't know what Anna sees in Jason. Not at all. Yeah. To be dating him. Fucking tired ass stereotypes. And yeah, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no. But in the gallery, Frank meets Rita Anna's agent, played by Jan Broberg. I'm sorry if I can just interject very quickly. All right. Uh, Jan fucking Broberg mm-hmm. is a survivor. If if anybody listening to this has not seen Abducted in Plain Sight, yes. on, I, it was on Netflix. I don't know why the fuck they would ever take it off. If you haven't seen that, finish this uh-huh. yeah. and then go watch it. It is an absolutely bananas story. Jan Broberg is a very strong woman and a survivor. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw her in... um. I think one of the Spider-Man movies. I think she played a reporter in Iron Man. Maybe, maybe oh, I'm thinking right, of Iron Man. Right. Yeah. But I was like, that's Jan Broberg. Yeah. And then in this, that's Jan Broberg. <laughs> I, I, uh, I just want to see her thrive. I yes. want to see the best for her. Yes. But I did want to point out, I was reading an interview with Frank Calfoon. Mm-hmm. I'm having such a hard time with his last name. Um, they share a daughter. Really? Oh, wow. And I was trying to look it up on IMDb because, you know, usually it's like was married to Jan Broberg from this to this. I can't find anything. I can't find anything when I Google their names together except that they both worked on this film. Hmm. But he had said that it was an interesting experience directing her because they do know each other so well and they do share a daughter. That's interesting. Yeah. I was like, that's wild. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> but I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> That's Jan Broberg. That's Jan Broberg. <laughs> but she tells him that his work might interest another client of hers who deals in destruction of useless objects. She says that she's sure he would love to smash up some of Frank's mannequins. 
oh, so you're a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, no, great. Yeah. Frank tells her that he's in restoration and she just laughs it off and goes, tell me, Fred. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and asks him about the restoration process, asking if he goes dumpster diving for the mannequin parts. Frank says that they're antiques, but Rita says that she just finds the whole thing creepy and that he and Anna are a perfect fit. Frank notices Martin Nunez, a friend of Anna's played by Joshua De La Garza, looking at him across the gallery. He was actually the guy that was helping Anna the night previous. Right. Oh, okay, okay. Or maybe like the week. I don't know how. No, we don't know. But as the event draws to a close, Rita says her goodbyes to Anna and leaves the gallery with Frank close behind her. Anna did offer to call Rita a cab, which Rita declined, unfortunately. Yeah. Frank follows her down the streets of Los Angeles, stalking her back to her apartment. With the door to the building left open and the master keys left unattended, Frank rides the elevator up to Rita's floor, letting himself inside her apartment with ease. Great system they got here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this place is fucking nice. Yes. Yeah. It's a luxury apartment. Yeah. There's yeah. literally no reason for this to have been able to happen. It's shit like this that's making me like. Are you? Yeah. That well, was too easy. Well, the dude Yoink. was helping another family outside. It was a Why? bit of a stretch. It but was. Dude did it get was. up from the desk to go help another uh, person living there. So yeah, but I don't know. We've said, come on, cartoons do it. <laughs> well, cartoons do it. <laughs> I will say it kind of lends to that like nihilistic tone of the film mm-hmm. that everything seems to line up perfectly for yeah. these murders to occur, and no matter what you do. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, which I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like how that makes me feel, man. Especially because you've made me him. Yeah. Yeah. But her apartment is gorgeous, surrounded by windows, the light of the city beaming in from the distance. Frank watches as Rita walks into her bedroom, disrobing and climbing into a bubble bath. With a towel over her eyes, Frank sits at the side of the tub. Rita reaches blindly for a glass of red wine, and when it's just out of her reach, Frank pushes it over to her, and she somehow doesn't think anything of it. For me, that right there was scary. The eyes, you, the eyes, can't, yeah. you can't reach that, and then you, you tried, even if it was for a second or two. Yeah. Now you can? Oh, no. And I'm sorry, I could feel that glass gliding into my hand. That, yeah. Not only that. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, oh not my only God. that, you can't feel the presence of, of a, a person yeah. sitting right next to you? Yeah, I'm, dude. This is why I'm like, this is doing- It stressed me out a lot. Yes. This scene was very stressful. Yeah. But Frank lightly dips his hand into the bathwater- which finally gets Rita's attention. She removes the towel from her face and Frank shoves her head under the water. She struggles against him until she's unconscious. I did read an interview with Elijah Wood where he said this was probably the most difficult scene to film. Yeah. Because he's literally dunking her. Yeah. And she's in control the whole time, but it's still simulating drowning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... I thought he killed her. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. But we cut to Frank staring out the window in her bedroom, and we see that he has hogtied Rita on her bed. He tells her that changing her hairstyle didn't fool him, and he asks if she didn't think he would recognize her. He asks if she thinks he's stupid, and he says that he never wanted to hurt her, but she made him. Rita screams, and he shoves a pair of panties into her mouth. He crawls on top of her back, asking why she needed to be with all of them, asking if it was only for money. He tells her that they didn't love her like he loves her, and he drags his knife down her back. He slices her jaggedly, and she begs him for her life. 
This is another, it, it looks too real. Yeah. Mm. The um, way the knife catches, it's like, yeah. can you not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this was odd. It felt very out of left field for me because he was having a conversation with her. Yeah. And like, yeah, she was rude, but there was no indication of him being like, wait a minute. What's your name? Like, I, I would have liked like a moment of weirdness or a moment of him being like, wait a minute, you know, anything uh-huh. at the gallery because she was just rude to him, which she was fucking yes. rude. Yeah. But then she left and it was like, okay, I'm thinking he's going after her because she was so flippant and rude. Mm hmm. I think that the thing is, is this might be, for me, a little too much dedication to the original. Okay. Because the lines that he says, a lot of them in the scene are direct quotes. Uh, Okay. All right, all right. And so I didn't know if they were just trying to do, because there's a scene in the bathtub, like it's a whole Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember if those kills are connected or if they're different. I watched the film very quickly while I was also researching this film. (laughs) (laughs) It's starting to blend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, because I don't know, this probably, uh, let me finish this. Um, he says that he's not going to kill her. He's going to keep her. He caresses her from behind and begins to cry, calling her mommy. He sits upright, telling her that she won't be going out tonight. He then slices the knife into her forehead, telling her that she'll be staying home with him, tearing off her scalp in a bloody mess as she screams. And I think it was at this point, this whole scene lit or whatever, mm-hmm. I realized, guys, I'm not having fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this really pushes the boundary for sure. Um, it does. It's technically impressive. It is yeah. extremely. The effects are great. Yeah. But I am ready to get off the ride. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he said, I'm going to keep you, uh-huh. just kill me. <laughs> that is the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I thought that he was going to keep her alive. No. He doesn't. Yeah. No. He's, he's not a man of his word. Not no. at all. I was like, what if this is just like exposure therapy and he's just a regular dude for the rest of the film? <laughs> like, this is the <laughs> confrontation that he needed and he's just fine for the rest of the movie. Not, not what happens. It's no. not what happens. <laughs> it's not. It's not. But the next morning, Frank arrives back at the shop, cleaning his knife and hands with the steel wool. He calls Anna, leaving a message asking her how long she'd like to keep the mannequins. He says that he has another client who wants them, but Anna breaks into the message and we hear her crying. Frank asks her what's wrong, and she tells him that Rita was murdered in her apartment last night. Frank feigns surprise as he looks over at the mannequin wearing Rita's robe and scalp, flies buzzing around it. So I think, and that's another thing you're talking about with if that's what he is recognizing her as, mm-hmm. he wouldn't recognize her as Rita that he murdered. True. So it's just like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'll allow it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Your uh, whole punch card's getting yeah. kind of full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. He's like, they did it in a cartoon once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ghost was chasing you. Yeah. <laughs> but Anna details the crime, telling Frank that it's a nightmare. Frank tells her that she shouldn't be alone and asks if her boyfriend is with her, but Anna says that Jason is back in New York City. He asks if she needs company, but she tells him that it's okay. But he tells her that it's no bother, it's what friends are for. He says that he'll be there in half an hour and gets off the phone. He then remembers their lunch together, only this time, the camera pulls back to reveal the both of them sitting by the water, Anna caressing his hand. Again, selective memory because the ducks aren't fucking each other up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Frank gets ready in his shattered mirror and he says that he misses her too. 
He says it's been a long time, but he promises that he's going to get her back. He looks over to reveal a little boy mannequin standing there, smiling at him. Two conflicting thoughts I had in my head at this point. First, that's very sad. Yeah. Second, that reveal was hilarious. Because <laughs> it was a baby was mannequin. Just, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't expecting to see Ooh, no. a tiny little boy mannequin. <laughs> But he heads to Anna's place and she lets him inside. But he even enters here creepily, saying that one of her neighbors was leaving when he came in and he saw her name on the mailbox. And he's like, I hope that's okay." It's not. Yeah, that sounded bad. Like, come on, dude. But she says that she's happy to see him. And when they walk into the living room, Frank sees that somebody else is here. It's Martin, Anna's friend from the gallery. He introduces himself to Frank, saying that he's heard a lot about him. Anna says that Martin's a stylist who's been helping her with the mannequins, but Martin says that he's actually an actor who just booked his first national. Frank's like, I have no idea what that means. Yeah, that was a little weird. It was awkward. (laughs) (laughs) But Martin explains that it's for a whitening toothpaste commercial, and he shows off his signature smile that'll appear in the commercial, complete with a ding. Yeah. Frank does not care. No. No. But you know what, though? On the cool, man, I wonder how cool that would be to be in a commercial. Oh, yeah. That'd probably be cool. Yeah. Even if it's just that 30 second whatever. Yeah. I'd be happy about that. Or the kid in the sixth sense. My throat hurts or whatever. (laughs) I was in a commercial once. Yeah. Actually, two commercials. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It was fun. (laughs) Did you like it? Uh, Yeah. And I saw myself on TV. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you're the leonardo dicaprio meme yeah <laughs> it's like the, right there right there it's i know that guy <laughs> but martin excuses himself from the proceedings saying that he actually has an audition in the morning but he tells anna that everything's going to be okay and gives her a kiss he was sweet he was yeah. he tells frank to take care of her before leaving her apartment and i was like that's a poor choice of words yeah but frank tells anna that it must have been a very long day for her but says that he knows what it's like to lose someone and that he's here for her. But he asks why Jason would leave for New York now. Anna tells him that they got into a big fight after the show and he bailed. She admits that she has no idea why she hooked up with him in the first place. Me neither. No. She says that he's such a music guy and Frank says that they can be very pompous. I've never heard anyone <laughs> describe that way. Frank's like, like, oh, I know. I know. Oh, music guy? Yeah. <laughs> Ew, wow. yeah. I use that insult all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but over coffee, Frank looks at the photographs Anna took on the day that they met. But suddenly, she breaks down into sobs, blaming herself for not looking after Rita, saying that she was too preoccupied with her other guests, which is not true. No, no, she she offered. Yeah. She did. And, you know, in her defense, the getting to her apartment wasn't the issue. No. Like, even if she had taken a cab, Frank would have followed. Yeah, that's true. Which is odd that she didn't notice him slipping away yeah. from the gallery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're his mannequins. Shouldn't he be like, oh, the guy that I t- yeah. <laughs> I, well, bar- I rented those mannequins yeah. from? <laughs> well, he was waiting outside already. Maybe he said goodbye. Yeah. That's true. We didn't see that part. Yeah. But Frank tells her that it isn't her fault and says that he knows what she needs. He starts to give her a back massage and she says, I'm so tense. I w- <laughs> the writing is all. <laughs> I was waiting. Yeah. Um, I was surprised at him just going for it like this. Yeah. Yeah, that was shocking. He starts to rub her shoulders and even pulls down the strap of her tank top and or bra. It was a tight angle. I couldn't tell. <laughs> but he starts to rub her hair 
telling her that hair is the only part of the human body that lasts forever. Okay, now, now you done. <laughs> <laughs> now you crossed a line. <laughs> I will say that research this checks out. No, I'm <laughs> actively scared now. Yes. But um, again, these red flags. Yeah, that was oh, the, yeah. the smoothest thing no. that he uh, could have said. You know, long after you're dead. <laughs> it's yeah. like what? what? But she turns away from him, saying that she can't. She says that she should have protected Rita. Frank says that Rita knew what she was doing. She lived three blocks away. He asks, what were the chances of her getting attacked? And I oop. The wheels immediately start turning in Anna's head, Mm -hmm. and the realization begins to wash over her face. Frank says, plenty of other women were killed too, and Anna's not to blame for that either. He assures her that it isn't her fault. He's like, trust me. Yeah, clearly. Noticing the look on her face, he tries to clean it up real fast, though, saying Rita actually asked him for a ride on her way out, which is how he knew how far away she lived. Mm-mm, that's, he's nah. like, uh, that's what you were wondering, right? Yeah. <laughs> he says that. No, he does. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why he looks so scared, right? <laughs> he's just so guilty. But Anna says that she was actually wondering about the other women who had been murdered. He's like, look, it's not my fault you don't watch the news. (laughs) (laughs) It's in all the papers. Frank tells her that it's all over the news, but she tells him that the police never mentioned anything about other girls. Again, that's where I'm like, did he kill anyone? Yeah. Because now we're saying that that didn't happen. Was that news package imagined in Frank's head? Was the newspaper imagined in Frank's head? I took it as... When the police talked to her about Rita, they didn't say, oh, a lot of other girls have been killed, too. But the, yeah. thing, but the thing is, is that it's the exact same M.O. It is. But, you and, know, and you I would don't see that. I don't know if that's something that they would say to her. I mean, yeah. it's not like she's because she just she's said just they friend. asked her a bunch of weird questions. But yeah. That was it. I don't know. I feel like it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I just. (laughs) I mean, you could be right. I mean, the way that she drops the line is it feels like a what? Yeah. Kind of a moment. I don't know. Maybe I just took it as like, well, the police would have told me if this was like some serial killers MO or whatever. And it wouldn't be because they were all age 20 to 30. Rita was Oh, yeah. So maybe they didn't connect it. He's breaking the pattern. He's breaking the pattern. (laughs) It's a very esoteric line from Zodiac. (laughs) (laughs) But Frank says that Rita fit the profile, so that's probably what happened to her. Anna continues backing away from Frank, and he tells her that she needs to relax. <laughs> What's the, She didn't yeah. fit the profile. No, she didn't. What's the profile? Women who I see? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, the, and also fits the profile. She's like, I don't even know what you're talking yeah, what about. What are you talking about, no, dude? Sure. I never heard of this. Oh, yeah. my God. But he, <laughs> he literally says, let me massage you again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's over Frank. Yeah, <laughs> stop, time is gone, buddy. yes she declines the offer saying that she's very tired and would rather just be alone and get some sleep anna is full of fear at this point backing into the kitchen and holding her hands up defensively frank tells her that being alone isn't gonna help her and with tears filling her eyes anna asks frank to just leave I was hoping for her to just pull it together and act like everything was fine mm-hmm I feel like that's the only way we're going to get out of this is to just be like, oh, okay. I didn't like, I didn't see that about the serial killer or whatever. Poor uh-huh. Rita. Yeah. So, um, I probably got to get to bed. Like I'm tired. You know what I mean? Don't be like, wah, <laughs> cause then he's, he's going to have 
do what Frank does. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. But I feel like if this is all dropped on you, it's kind of hard to no, keep your course, composure. No, of Because he's telling on himself. I probably yeah. would and do <laughs> an awful job. Yeah. That's what I would try to do. The second he said that about asking her, I'd be like, ah, ah, yeah. ah, it's you. Ah. And then, that's it. Just try to fucking hold it together. Just well, try to hold it together. Easier said than done. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> But he asks her what's wrong, saying that he thought they were friends, but she sounds like a stranger to him now. What do you mean, what's wrong? Yeah. Is this where he says, I came all the way across town to be with you in your time of need? Yeah. Yes. That's a lot. It's yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah. What's funny? You're not even a human. No. Yeah. He repeats that line, I think, three times in this scene, and it's word for word the exact same. It's probably, he was like in the mirror being like, I missed you too. Like, he probably yeah. practiced that. So I didn't know if he was saying that. I didn't know if, well, maybe. Maybe that is what it is. Because he was talking to his little, little uh, Frank. Little Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know if that if he was like talking about his mother still. Oh, maybe. Oh, all right. That's the thing. We don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. But Anna begins to cry and he asks why she's scared, saying that they need to have a talk. He reaches out to her, but she bats his hand away and grabs a knife. He forces her into the living room, saying that they really need to iron a few things out. But as he gets closer, she slashes his arm with the knife. He needed a little slashing. He did. Yeah. He earned it. He was too close. He was doing too much. He punches her, sending her flying through a glass table. He tries to drag her away, but she kicks him off her. This in a featurette, you see two people on the side of the camera, one arm grabbing each leg. Yeah. It's just, it it doesn't appear that way. No, not at all. At all. But she slashes at him, stabbing her knife through the palm of his hand. Anna calls out for help from Martin before locking herself in the bathroom. As Frank bandages up his hand, Martin begins knocking on the door to Anna's apartment. Frank then grabs a meat cleaver from the cutlery block, unlocking the front door. Martin bursts through, and through the haze of Frank's vision, we see him holding a baseball bat. I was so upset that she called Martin into this. Yeah. I would have been like, call the police or something. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I I understand. I think my thing is that... There, there is way too many moments in horror movies where you don't give all the information. Right, right. Call Martin, but say Frank is here and yeah, he's trying to he's kill me. He's attacking me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Don't just be like Martin. My stove's uh, on yeah. fire. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not. That's not good. Right, that's not right. the first thing that you're gonna think is you're gonna run into this apartment and somebody's trying to murder your friend. Yes, and oddly, the fact that he came in with a baseball bat in the first place, she got lucky with that. Yeah, because yeah. he was probably like, "Oh, what's going on?" Yeah, yeah. and then, well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> Because Frank creeps up behind him, and as soon as Martin turns around, Frank plants the cleaver into Martin's mouth, parting his lips with a sickening squish. It is horrific. You fucked him up. He did, I will say, okay. When he turns around, it looks like he's wearing a fake mustache. And the reason for that is because he already had the prosthetic on. Does it really? Yes. I didn't even, uh-huh. it happens so fast. Yeah. It happens very quick, but it's like at the center of the screen. And when I saw a featurette, when he's walking in, <laughs> his face is already ready for the cleaver. He's like, Oakley, don't yeah. like- <laughs> <laughs> Well, neighborino, he's the. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say that the effect looks good. Yeah. And it's very simply realized it's just a carved out cleaver with a mouthpiece. Ugh. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's pretty good. But Frank knocks on the bathroom door, asking Anna to open the door and let him explain. Anna just calls out for Martin, who somehow has reached his feet. 
Yeah, dude's a badass. Yeah. I thought she, he was banging on the door. I thought she was like, Martin? I was like, no, it's, yeah. not, it's not Martin. You know it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> I did think as well, it's a bit of irony that he was talking about his uh, toothpaste commercial. Yeah. Oh, oh damn it. Right. It's very sad. Dang. <laughs> That's a sad ding. It's not yeah. fair. <laughs> But Martin's mouth is now cleaverless, and he tries to bash Frank with the bat. Frank, however, just easily dispatches him by throwing him through the bathroom door. Now, this is where I, again, also thought it was starting to feel like American Psycho, because I'm like, that's that's ludicrous. (laughs) My note was he did not just throw Martin through the bathroom door. Not only that, why is nobody in this building... No. Calling anybody, screaming. Yeah, if he heard her that easy. Yeah. How close are the neighbors? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I don't know. But Anna holds the knife to Frank to keep him at bay, but he reminds her that he came all the way across town to be with her in her time of need. That's scary as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty shiver-inducing. But she lunges at him, begging him to leave. Sirens wail in the distance as she stumbles into her shower curtain. Frank begins to tussle with her, eventually enveloping her in the curtain and subduing her in the reflection of the bathroom window. Frank drives Anna back to his shop, but along the way, he stops at a red light next to a police cruiser. The police radio chatter is heard as Frank lowers his busted hands from the steering wheel and rolls up his window. I was like, yeah, that's not suspicious yeah, at all. He's just yeah. being silly now. Yeah. You know. It's like that guy just hide his hands <laughs> yeah. and roll up his window. Yeah, well, manually. They, were, they were looking at him immediately. <laughs> they were and they should have been. Yeah. But the police car just switches on their lights and speeds away as Frank looks over at Anna's unconscious body, telling her that it's gonna be okay. He pulls into an alley at the break of day, opening the back of the van to retrieve Anna, but she's put a mannequin in her place under the curtain. She leaps out, stabbing Frank in the gut with the sharp connector of a mannequin hand. You remember? Yeah, he asked for a hand. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I thought that this was pretty brilliant because looking through his eyes and through his mind, Uh for a second, I thought that he had turned her into a mannequin in his head. Oh. And then she's like, blah, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> Honestly, I was like, oh, fuck. I thought that that was really clever. That's yeah. pretty good misdirection. Because we yeah. keep having these switch outs. You really don't know what's reality and what's not. I thought that that was really cool. No. Yeah. I will say that I like that and I would like it a lot more if things ended differently. Yeah. But she takes off running, screaming for help as Frank pulls the hand from his stomach. He chases after her in a daze. Memories of their previous meetings playing in his mind as she runs down a tunnel. So this is a flash. This is what we saw earlier when he was about to kill Judy. Yeah. But I don't know how he knew that. Oh. Or how he thought of it before he even knew Anna. Huh. Yeah. I thought that what was going to happen was that was going to be a memory of his mother. Yeah. Me too. Running down a tunnel. But no, it's Anna. Interesting. Hmm. I don't get it. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the acceptance. Yeah, so sure. Yeah. He's like, I'll I'll uh, uh, <laughs> And your punch card, sir. <laughs> I don't get it. All right. <laughs> maybe you should maybe it wasn't meant for you to get. <laughs> well, I understand. <laughs> Banana gets a passing car to stop for her, hopping into the passenger seat and pulling the driver's steering wheel into the path of Frank, running him over. 
In POV, he flips over the top of the car, landing in a heap in the street as the car crashes into a nearby concrete pillar, sending Anna through the windshield and smashing her head bloody. <laughs> the craziest it, it fuck. It really did. That was honestly, and that's the thing is that, again, this is where, <laughs> to me, I'm like, this is like ir- irredeemingly nihilistic. Yeah. That this is her getaway. Yeah. But it looks really good. Yeah. It looks great. I was surprised to see the car because everything is was giving 28 days later Hon- when he gets out of the <laughs> hospital. Honestly, yeah. I was like, where the fuck is everyone? Yeah. It's, it's like the, the s- middle of the day or at least the morning. Right, uh-huh. right. It's the subway all over again. Yeah. And then she gets in the car. I was like, watch, it's Captain Spaulding. But like, it's his mom or whatever. Otis just leans up. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> the end? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> but Frank drags himself to his feet, bloodied, and approaches the wreckage, finding the driver dead and Anna on the ground. She lies dying in the street, choking on her own blood as Frank scolds her for her behavior. He asks why she couldn't understand that he was just wanting to be with her. He says that he never touched her, which, yes, he did. He tried to do the back massage. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And he also punched her into a glass table. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Every th- all but of who's it's counting? And wrapped her up in a shower curtain. Uh-huh. But, you know. And, like, choked her out. Uh-huh. He touched her a lot. <laughs> yeah, but You're that a was liar. That, <laughs> that was after he started freaking out. Well, it still counts. He's like, if I don't remember it, it Yeah, happen. yeah. <laughs> But he puts his hand on the necklace that he made for her and tells her that he wants to introduce her to his mother. Through maniacal laughter, he raises his straight razor to her forehead. So I really thought that they planted the seed at the movie theater Mm -hmm. that she was going to survive. Yeah, I wonder if that was intentional. As a misdirection? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm upset. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did also see in a featurette, and I do not, I cannot understand this because I've seen a lot of... um, day for night shooting right in filmmaking but they showed them filming the scene and it was night oh wow yeah and you see it looks like daylight they must have had an incredible lighting yeah situation because yeah. all of it looks like daylight yeah it does. I couldn't tell. but back at the shop with music eerily reminiscent of the Candyman score oh yeah did you catch that yeah that is yeah i wonder if that's another but again yeah. yes yeah. Frank stands with bloody hands before a mannequin in a wedding dress. He unveils a ring inside of a red box, telling Anna that they'll be together forever. I got to say, I was so appalled that he made it back home. Yeah. I felt like Jesse Pinkman. He can't keep getting away with it. I'm like, how? How? I, I don't know. How are you doing this? I. It's. Uh, it's Again, it's upsetting. Yeah. But he promises that no one will separate them again as he places the ring on the finger of the mannequin. His gaze travels up the body of the mannequin to the necklace that he made for Anna until we see blood streaming down the mannequin's face and Anna's scalp placed on top. Very romantic. Mm. Yeah, a, a real love story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because in the production notes, they asked they asked if this was a love story and they interviewed like four people. <laughs> they interviewed um, Alex Aja, Elijah Wood, Calfoon, and um, the actress who plays... Anna. Anna. And Calhoun said yes. And I, I believe both uh, Elijah and Nora said no. Because yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I saw a uh, panel with Elijah Wood and somebody asked if this film helped him understand women better. And I think they meant it in the in the sense of like what women have to worry about or what women 
like the fear, cautions. Yeah. you know, walking down the street or taking the train or whatever, whatever. But Elijah Wood was like, through the lens of Frank? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was like, nobody should. That's, no. not, that's <laughs> not the way, no. He has a very warped. Yeah, he yeah. was like, no, I did not. But after we get the full view of her, Frank carries what I've dubbed the Anakin past the stacks <laughs> of mannequins. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy appears there asking Frank if he likes her nipples and telling him that his hands were so warm. Frank, Frank is like, shut up. This, again, it's not funny. Uh-huh. But... The way he's like, I don't, I do not know them. Yeah. It's like, dude. <laughs> You're giving it like a Will Ferrell level yeah. of like <laughs> comedy, but it's like, I, it's, it's so, I don't know. I, he's like, I'm married now. Yeah. Like, stop. I think that what catches me so off guard is that the switching for him, because this is just straight up Lucy now. It's not. Yeah. Last yeah. time he saw her. It was not. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. But then again, I, th- we're, we're ending the film. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting to the end of it. But he tells Anna not to listen to her and that she's lying. As he passes the bathroom, Rita lounges there asking Fred if he played with dolls as a child. I, he's putting a lot of things. He's like, you didn't say that. It was Jason. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's fine. It's all culminating. I yeah. guess. But Rita asks if he wants to take a bath, a bubble bath. And he says no and asks her to leave. He then passes Jessica, who leans against the mannequins, asking him what happened and saying that she knew he was in the locker and asks if he liked what he saw. Judy then appears, saying that she gets jealous when he brings other women home. But she ends it. <laughs> this, okay. Everybody else was being like kind of hinting at the things that had happened before. Mm. But Judy literally says, I'm going to tear you to pieces, Frank. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, he brought another woman home. I, okay. <laughs> all right. Oh, cool. But Frank promises that they're all lying and places Anna onto his bed, telling her that this is their home. All the women surround them, scalped, blood running down their faces. Anna sits in the bed, alive, but in the confusion and Frank's frantic movements, Anna somehow disappears. He asks where she's gone, but the scalped women grab Frank, forcing him to the bed and tearing away at his limbs, ripping off his legs and fingers. When, when they're ripping his leg, he literally goes, ow, my leg. Come on, man. But Anna watches from above as the women reach into Frank's stomach and pull out his intestines. Frank screams wildly as the women tear at his face, pulling his skin off to reveal the face of an emotionless mannequin underneath. Good for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, I'm not insinuating that Elijah Wood is really a mannequin and that this actually <laughs> happened. This looks amazing. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how they made this look so good. I can explain. Please. It is a ridiculous amount of camera trickery. Yeah. It begins with them pushing the cinematographer onto the bed and they're just following the cameraman. Mm-hmm. But... The cameraman is then switched out with a mannequin for the tearing of the legs and the arms. Yeah. But Elijah Wood's double was used for the breaking of the arm. Mm. He was under the bed and they attached a prosthetic Uh, to uh, his wrist. uh, Oh, all right. So the hand looks real, but the arm is fake. Okay, okay. (laughs) Then the face tear begins with Elijah Wood Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to a prosthetic head made of Elijah Wood almost seamlessly 
and they tear that to reveal the mannequin underneath that. Okay. But the way that he's screaming almost constantly. Yeah. And you see his face moving. Yeah. It's, it's so like, effective. when did they switch it out? Yeah. And why did I not hear that on the set of Maniac, they murdered yeah. Elijah Wood? Yeah. <laughs> and that he was actually made of yes. a mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> on the inside. Isn't it weird we all look like that on the yeah. inside? <laughs> but yeah i saw that on a featurette and it's just like that's just wild yeah it really is the way that they put it all together is just very commendable it looks good mm -hmm. but bright lights shine into the bedroom in slow motion as a swat team approaches they fill the room pointing their weapons through an array of bloody mannequins shining their light into a closet where they find frank's bloody corpse we fade to black and the credits roll so what did you guys think of Maniac? I really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I really like this movie. I don't know what it is, and I'm I'm sure I'll figure it out after a few more watchings, but I really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> like I, I know I liked it before, but like think talk even still talking about it and whatever, like thinking about how good everything looked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there might be some weird things in the story, but it's a complete story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an ending. It's done. We There's no more. And the next time, no, we don't need to visit Maniac again. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, done. Like, that's, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, that's it. I will say, spoiler alert for the original, but the end of that zooms in on his face and his eye opens. See, we don't need that. Dun, dun, <laughs> Yeah, dun. we don't need that. that. We don't need none of that. This gave us... A story and it's done. That was it. I liked it too. I feel like it was a lot more like upsetting than I remembered it being. Mm -hmm. But I, that is intentional. Um, I think that Elijah Wood was fantastic. I have a lot more like admiration for it. Learning how hard it was to film the way that they filmed it. Yeah. Like, that is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. I It's lacking for me with some of the... I know you said it's a complete story. Mm -hmm. I, I would just like a little bit more. Um, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I say that, but I also don't want to spend any more time inside of Frank's head than what we got. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. I, yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of like conflicting things as far as his MO, right. the way that he operates, the thing with his mom. I mean, it, it, the, sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. I also want to say, and this may be nitpicky, and I understand why they did it the way that they did it, um, because I can see this it pissing a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. But I really would have liked to end on them ripping him apart. Yeah. Maybe even as he's starting to freak out, we see the cops like coming to his place or something. I do like that the police finally get some semblance <laughs> of who this man is because I don't know how he's gotten away with it this whole time. Mm -hmm. But I really would have liked that very last shot to be them pulling him apart and then he's a mannequin. I can oh, see okay. how that would piss people off. And I think that that's why we get a shot. No, he's he's not a mannequin. He's just a, yeah. a, a dead human. <laughs> I, I understand why they did that. But I, I think that I would have been more satisfied because when it happens, you're like, wow. I was anyway. I was like, holy no, shit. Yeah. I can see why that might, might be a little too artsy or a little too out there or confusing. But I would have liked the guts to end there. I, I would have liked for that to be the last thing that I saw. Because I took that as he's dead. Yeah. I yeah. don't also need to see that he's dead. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I like the just being in that moment of, wow, you know? Okay. I think them um, 
adding the police is kind of like now it did happen yeah yeah yeah. just not like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) he is dead yeah we want you to be (laughs) the mannequins did not kill him he was not made of a mannequin (laughs) well well, i hope you don't think that's that was just creative license yeah (laughs) we're taking you on a journey (laughs) but uh there's so much to love um the again the painstaking way that this was made and shot i will I have so much respect for it. It's unreal. The fact that he literally said, if you're going to remake it, do something different with it. Yes. And they did. Yeah. And again, I can't say enough good about Elijah Wood. I just love Elijah Wood. I think everybody does. Um, The score is really fantastic. Mm -hmm. And this is a really beautiful film. Again, we talked about how grainy and, uh, you know, the way that the 1980 version looks compared to how polished and like really beautiful at times this film looks. It's like a very weird, you know, juxtaposition. Is that sure? No, oh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Um, but overall, I really like this. There are some story issues for me and a lot of the, like, how is nobody seeing any of the, like, it's making me feel like this is a Patrick Bateman situation. And it's not, it's not because they showed us the police. I mm. know it's not, mm-hmm. but then explain all that How? other shit. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I, I did enjoy a lot of this, mostly I think from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's very inventive. It's shown us stuff that we've seen before, but it takes it to a level that I did not anticipate. Yeah. When we have seen the point of view of a killer before, but the whole film almost. Yeah. It's it's unrelenting in that way. Yeah. And it doesn't I don't know, it's very brutal. I've already said it was nihilistic. I I will say it, it does do what a remake should do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that is something that's very commendable. You can tell that they respect the original with how much they used of the original mm-hmm. and how many plot points and then how inventive they were to do certain things differently yeah. and uh try new things. Right. And new things that were very difficult to do. Mhm. It's incredible. Yeah. There's no way that the first day they were like, yeah, we made the right call. Yeah. <laughs> sure. yeah this is way easier than just yeah. filming a film. <laughs> but I guess we can go into ratings. Um, positive side. Uh, I, I enjoy performances. Elijah Wood is disturbing. The movie's incredibly unsettling. The makeup is great. The cinematography is kind of unbelievable with the things they're able to pull off. Mm-hmm. I guess with the help of the editing as well. Mm-hmm. Music is interesting. It's a very surreal and artistic execution of a very simple idea. Just a guy, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I think that they did that very interestingly. But for the negatives for me, outside of the technique and the makeup, like there there comes a point where it's it's like, all right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like I think we've uh I think we've been uh inside the head of this dude for long enough yeah <laughs> and i don't i don't know and i it was surprising to me that i guess my sensibilities because looking back on maniac because we all watched it mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah that was just a really cool film where they did like a first person thing yeah and then now i'm like oh my god yeah i, I just remember being really impressed by yeah it. yeah i actually i watched it again last night to you know polish up my script and i actually i felt bad after it was over <laughs> Really? I was like, I feel kind of bad, but I do. <laughs> I was like, on the on the inside, on the inside of my body, I feel bad. 
<laughs> and I mean, like, on one hand, it's like, wow, you know, for a film to make you feel exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, it's like, I don't like feeling that <laughs> <laughs> on the inside. I think it's a matter of it, it making you so complicit in his actions. Yeah. You're a part of this, and you're like, can we, like, you ever close your eyes, man? Yeah. You ever? <laughs> no? All right, shit. Um, some of the writing for me, I will say, is a little on the nose. I said that earlier. But um, I do like it more than I liked the original, personally. Okay. But I just feel like, I don't know, there is maybe something about, because this does take elements of that style of New French Extremity, that I think personally, I don't, I don't, I guess it doesn't speak it's to me. It's not your bag. Yeah. yeah. It feels, I think the word that, or I guess the phrase, because I'm going to use more than one word. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that it's impressive and gratuitous. Yeah. Both of those things are true. And mm. so, I don't know, for me, I was like, you know, I think we've, I think we've, I think we understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to a point. But all that considered, out of 10 macabre mannequins, I am going to give Maniac seven macabre mannequins out of 10. I was going to give it a 6.5, but I feel like the technique is just so impressive. It pushes it up. Mm -hmm. I will say, and you mentioned it earlier, like just a minute ago as well, the almost like overused kind of stereotypically tropey backstory. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. There, there's a lot. I, the script could use another punch. That's fair. But yeah. um, I will open the floor to you. Uh, I know I said it before, and for me, I enjoy that. Yeah, I know there's some things that are overdone, but I think there's things here that aren't done enough or even considered. Uh, it's always just a one-sided thing when it comes to that. And I did appreciate that we... And it might have been a, a lot for you. I enjoyed every second of watching what was going on. I loved being... And I know this sounds funny, but I loved being in his shoes. I loved it. It was engaging. It made me want to continue to watch. Yeah, some of it's hard to watch, but this dude's going through some shit. It's not just a cut and dry that what like he's going through some shit. Yeah, it sucks that these women had to die and that's not cool. He's doing it, but he's going through some fucking shit. Like even at the end when he does die, the way I took it was... The reason they tore his legs, he was dying. His legs stopped working on him. He fell. He's in the closet. Yeah. His stomach, they're ripping at it. That's where he got stabbed. That's why that hurts him so much and he's dying. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't think I was going to like this movie as much as I did, but watching it and like, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, well, I can relate to any of that, but I feel like it's something that's not, like I said, for me, it's a different it's a different point of view, and I enjoy that it's there. Um, yeah, his mom was shitty, but it's like like I said, it's it's not really talked about a lot. You know what I mean? Stuff like this doesn't get brought up. And not only that, like it's the everything looking that real, you did a fantastic job. Oh yeah. If you're making me look away that's or feel why, that's like that's why it's so oh, hard to yeah, watch. Yeah. Oh no, I want to. I I. I want to see what else this dude's done. Like, really. Oh, yeah. I enjoy what's happening here. Like I said, I've said I've loved the movie through the whole thing. So um, <laughs> for me, on a scale from one to ten macabre mannequins, I'm going to give Maniac a nine. I really Damn. liked this movie. Again, I know it's not for everybody, 
but it but it uh, like i said for me it did keep me engaged the whole time mm-hmm. i did want to watch more but i agreed with what you said like immediately when you said it if there was more of this this would be a different movie yeah so yeah. for me that's what helped it too it's a perfect link there's a story he's gone there is no coming back we don't need uh maniac 2 what's you know whatever <laughs> no, 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 no. electric boot yeah there so, you yeah. go <laughs> That's when he electrocutes himself. Cutting no, the wires. That's the alternate timeline. Yeah. <laughs> it's even shorter than yeah. this yes. one. One thing I would have loved, I think, if is if Anna survived, if he had taken her back to the shop. Okay. And then he's trying to do with the scalping and everything. But then we switch to third person from Anna's point of view and see that it's really just mannequins. But he does get pulled apart. And she just watches him lose his mind. But she's he's really just cowering to these mannequins i would have liked okay. for her to live too yeah but did you, you know. like my rewrite or is that bad no it was good it was, <laughs> good. It was good thank you no i've already said i really really appreciate things about this technically that i wouldn't have even really known to look for when i saw this the first time mm-hmm. um i was like wow that's really like that's really cool it's really unique but i i don't think i would have stopped i don't think i did stop and think well how did they do that they two different guys were his hands like that's amazing <laughs> yeah um i think it is a very impressive film i think like you said that it's not for everybody mm-hmm. um the way that they're able to make the visuals so realistic makes it incredibly hard to watch and those scenes it's like oh my god and then it gets to a certain point where it's like, oh my God, like, are we still fucking doing this? Like, <laughs> It's because it is so impressive. It does look so real. And you're forced into this point of view where, like you said, you're complicit in it. Yeah. It's like you almost want to turn it off because it's like, <laughs> no, like, stop doing that. But the fact that it can make you that uncomfortable in itself is impressive. Yeah. You can tell that this was made by people who really love the genre. They didn't grab a cult classic to remake just to make some money off of it. Yeah. They put love and they put effort and they put a lot of talent into this. All of that aside, I do have some issues with the story. Like we already <laughs> did that. Um, but I'll just wrap it up to say on a scale from one to 10 macabre mannequins. You got it. And I have it written right here. I gave, <laughs> I said mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different I movie. Won, yeah, yes, I watched yeah. the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> I gave Maniac a 7.5. Hmm. There are parts of this that are so impressive, but this is not a movie that I'm going to pop on to just chill out and watch. No. It is it's really upsetting in a lot of ways. It's really intriguing and interesting in a lot of ways. It is really a mixed bag, but I think that it it is a very impressive film and if you're okay with violence, I'm not okay with violence. That's fucked up. If you if you can tolerate watching really realistic depictions of violence and violence against women, I would definitely recommend this because it is not it is very unique. This is not a movie that you see all the time at all. No. Yeah. Um. But again, it is not for everyone. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, while I did have um negative things, uh-huh. a lot of positive things, but. I am. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all from us at Pod Mortem. What would you rate Maniac, and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Pod Mortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at Real Streeter eighty four. 
please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, dealing with your past in a healthy way is the best possible present to give yourself for the future. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. We're trying. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it together. We got to workshop that. <laughs> special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake to Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Daniel McGinnis, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, M. Fryback, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William Rush, Katarina, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Morgan Frenomorph, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Carlos J. Mota, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Paul Jordan, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Cody Graves, Andy Terrell, Gage, Wizard Boner, ML Tafoya, and Abigail Spitzer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Yeah. <laughs> One of those new names is it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> get past it, get past it, get past it. <laughs> we appreciate all of you and your continued support, and we hope that you all know that you are a cut above the rest. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 A lot of scalping. Yeah, yeah there was. Yeah. There in the, was. In the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.